Yeah, I'd even seen some 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 clickbaity headline. Like, I started following something on Twitter that's like film clickbait. I think is the name of the the uh, Twitter handle. Mm-hmm. And so they they will post a link to someone's headline on an internet website, and and from the headline they'll basically read the article for you and just tell you in a Twitter you know hundred whatever characters they have what the article is. And and I. I actually like Screen Rant as far as a, a, a site to go to to get uh, correct information. They usually seem like they're pretty well vetted when they post stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I, I feel like a couple years ago they switched owners and then they started doing all those like, well, top 25 of this and top 30 oh, yeah. of this and all that kind of crap. Yeah, they have a lot of that shit going on. I, I hate that shit. One of the ones they posted right after Last Jedi was like, when does episode nine come out? And I was scrolling through Twitter, and and the, the film clickbait handle posted that article and said, December, you know, whatever, 2019, the same date it was three months ago. Didn't fucking change. There you go. <laughs> like, like, really? You need to read that the whole article to figure that out? Just fucking Google that, and it tells you the same fucking thing as the article. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Wait, I gotta find this Twitter handle because it cracks me up sometimes. Like how, like quick to the point they get to the stuff, and like just to get you, like moving. They're, yeah, they're just trolling the people writing those articles just to yeah. fuck with them. I mean, and they're they're doing a good community service is what they're doing because if you have more things doing that and nobody clicking on the shit, maybe they'll stop doing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, here's the one. What, what Star Wars, when does episode 9 come out? December 20th, 2019. Same as three months ago. We didn't even need 400 words. <laughs> Here, another screen, it's another screen ran article that they, that film clickbait posted. The Last Jedi Visual Dictionary confirms Snoke's origins. Film clickbait says 100% false. <laughs> <laughs> screen ran, they're posting a lot of screen ran articles. Uh, how long until X-Men join Spider-Man and the Avengers? They don't know, but guess 2020 at the earliest. <laughs> uh, from comicbook.com, the First Order goes through some major changes in Star Wars The Last Jedi. This is literally just a retelling of what happens in the movie. The movie plot typed out and posted as content. <laughs> IGN, Star Wars The Last Jedi Cinema Score Revealed. Film clickbait? A. Uh, screen rant. Star Wars The Last Jedi confirms Knights of Ren's identity. Film clickbait. If you have to use the words presumably, seems, and almost, that's not a confirmation. <laughs> screen rant. Go inside the Millennium Falcon with Disney Park's first look. Film clickbait. It's a photo of a hallway on the Falcon. What does George movie web? What does George Lucas think of Star Wars: The Last Jedi? Film clickbait. He liked it. <laughs> Screen rant. Will X Men: Dark Phoenix reboot the Fantastic Four? Film clickbait. Almost certainly not, but there's two pages of speculation anyway. <laughs> Newsarama. Would Jackman return as Wolverine if Disney's buys Fox? The X Men writes. The actor speaks. Film clickbait. No. Screen rant. Why Star Wars The Last Jedi Porgs look like puffins? Film clickbait. They were inspired by puffins. <laughs> if you actually have to read that goddamn... Like, like, who clicks on that article to read it? Why do they look like puffins? 
Hello and welcome to another episode of Brian Guy and Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Labick. Joining me for this episode is Andy Stoles. What's up, podcast people? You stumbled over that one a little bit. Wet those lips. And Mike Bradley. <laughs> Hello. Never, uh, ever say that again. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't acknowledge me when I said it. I thought you were just going to let it slide. <laughs> um, so it's finally ta- finally time to talk about Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. Uh, this is something that uh, we've all been waiting for. It's something we've speculated and theorized about. Uh, I think yet again we'll get to it, but it probably proves that uh, everything we've predicted was wrong. Uh, so this is the movie that continues the adventures of the new characters we got from J.J. Abrams that he introduced in The Force Awakens. Uh, the Last Jedi is written and directed by Ryan Johnson. Uh, for anyone that doesn't know anything else that Ryan Johnson did, if anybody remembers Looper from, I don't know what year it came out, actually, off the top of my head, but it's a couple years old. Uh, Bruce Willis, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, that's a really, Emily Blunt's in there, too. Uh, really fucking good movie. Check it out if you haven't seen it. Um, now, as much as I think we're all just waiting to dive in and unpack this thing and get into the spoilers and specifics, I'm going to treat this like we do most of our other reviews that we've done. Uh, we'll try to talk generally before we get into spoilers, uh, we're going to pr- probably get through the general stuff fairly quickly because I-, I think all the good stuff's in the spoilers. Um, but even before we get to that, uh, I do want to throw in something that I recorded earlier. I've got a f- few clips and sort of just to set it up, I think we, we tried to do this before we did uh, for the Force Awakens review. Um, whoever I went with for the first viewing, um, we tried to record our thoughts before the movie and then immediately after the movie. Try to do that again this time. I didn't get as many people for the as I did with the Force Awakens. I think it was it was me, Eric, and uh, a friend of ours, Leslie, was there too. So that's who I got to record for this one. Um, so this is our car conversation before and after. Uh, we kept it spoiler free. So any any post thoughts we had after the movie, we're not getting into specifics or spoilers. So I'm gonna throw it out up front. Get a taste of what we immediately thought before and after, and. Uh, you, I think we try to predict some stuff, and you'll see, if you've seen the movie, I guess you'll know if we get anything right or wrong. Uh, I think they're mostly wrong, but there, I think there was a few things we called. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna throw that in now, and, uh, hopefully you, you like this quick little bit. Alright, so I did this, uh, the last time for when we did Force Awakens. Uh, we're gonna try this again. Hopefully this sounds a little bit better, because I actually have a little microphone for my phone. Uh, so we are in the car, we are on our way to go see The Last Jedi, we're going to record, I guess, just some predictions, what we think we may happen, what we maybe want to happen, and maybe we'll try to check back afterwards and see how right we were, or how wrong we were. Probably pretty wrong, because all of our predictions normally never pan out. Uh, so I'll just start, and then whoever wants to jump in, I'll just pass around, you can introduce yourselves, and we'll go from there. Uh, I do not expect to see or hear anything uh, any confirmation for Ray's parentage as much as I would like that. I don't think we'll get that. Uh, if Kylo Ren turns to the good side or does not stay purely evil, I think that would piss me off. I think they need a solid bad guy, and I feel like he is it. Um, I feel like I had a whole list of shit, and now I can't think of what the hell I wanted to bring up. Um... Yeah, I think there's going to be a fundamental change in, in the Force. I think that's, that's going to end up being some gray Jedi stuff. Uh, I would predict that Luke makes it through the end of this movie. Uh, another 
I, I might have a hissy fit if he turned out to be a bad guy. Because Luke is still one of my favorites. So if he's if he's bad, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna be mad. Um, I think Princess Leia would probably make it. I don't think they're gonna kill her. I think I think she's going to survive and live on happily ever after. Maybe as happy as she can with her son being bad and her husband dead uh, somewhere. <laughs> That I don't think they'd get, they'd kill her. I think that's a little too close to home with Carrie Fisher actually dying. Um, uh, what else do we have to address? I'm trying to think. I'm trying not to. I, I didn't watch a lot of trailers after that second trailer we talked about. I think on the show I haven't watched much of anything. I've avoided any other trailers, any other commercials. I'm trying to go in blind. Uh, I don't know where else. I want to see some some Finn and Poe bromancing. I think that needs to happen. Uh, I don't know if I have predictions. I was trying to think of predictions. I don't know if I have... Maybe it will come back to me. I'll pass... Does it... All right, let me just ask before I pass it. Does it... Any... Do you guys want in? Does want it... I mean, I can say some stuff. All right, I'm going to pass off to the... I'll let him introduce himself, and then he can he can go through what he wants to talk about. Hi, everybody. You know me. This is Eric Bairstrud. I've been on Brian's podcast before. Um... I don't really know if I have as detailed of predictions and things I want to have happen as Brian. Um, I think it would be cool if Kylo flipped and Ray was dark. I don't think that will actually go that way, but I kind of want to see that happen just to see how mad Brian will get. But That's not uh, Yes, it is. That's a very valid reason. Um, I, I don't think Luke will die. I don't think Leia's going to die. I think they will both make it on to the next one. I don't think Luke will ever be bad. I just can't envision them doing that to him. Um, trying to think what else. I want to see some good lightsaber battles between Kylo and Rey. That's what I want to see. Maybe throw Luke in there too a little bit. I don't know how good his hand-to-hand stuff will be. Amazing. Um, it's amazing. Okay, sorry. It's going to be fucking amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I don't really know what else. Uh, I just hope it's a fantastic movie. That's really all I really have to say. You, you up? Okay, so this is Leslie. Never heard of me. <laughs> I have one prediction, that there's going to be a new super weapon. So we have the Death Star... We have the Star Destroyer. Now, ten times bigger than that is going to be the Universe Obliterator. <laughs> Other than that, nothing. I haven't watched. I watched one or the second trailer once, and then I went silent. So I'm prepared to be shocked by everything. All right, everybody that's in the car, uh, we will be in line. Hopefully, with a few other people, we'll see what the what the ambient noise is there. Maybe we can do this in line with a few others. I don't know how well this microphone's gonna work, so we'll see how it goes. I don't, okay, so, the, the second trailer is, I still think, very misleading for the end shot of, like, Kylo and, and Ray, like, like, you know, Kylo looking for, or Ray looking for, how do I wanna say? Guidance. Yeah, guidance, yeah. Guidance from, from Kylo, I don't think that's the thing. Well, okay, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's cut weird. I still believe that. The intention might be there. Like, maybe we'll see something like that during during the movie. But those scenes in the trailer are definitely not the same. I still predict that Ray in that shot is talking to Luke and not Kylo. So we'll see if I predict that correctly. Um, 
I don't know. I, I expect some really fucking weird twists that are, I'm either going to love it or hate it. I expect to see this movie many times, so maybe over that five viewings or something, if I hate a twist, it'll come back around and I'll really like it by the end. We'll see. Uh, we'll try to get some first impressions when we get out of the theater. Uh, and we're going to try to keep them spoiler-free so that hopefully we can get into the spoilers when we actually sit down to do the show as a, like proper. Um, yeah, so this is a pretty scatterbrain. We'll see if I use any of this. Uh, and uh, we'll talk to you later. So we are out of the movie now. We have no time to process just initial non-spoiler thoughts, non-spoilers. We don't want to get into spoilers. Uh, anytime I go see these, even Force Awakens, I walked out thinking, this is the, this is awesome, this is the best one ever. I still need time to digest. I will say that. I'm going to go see it again for sure. And process. Yeah, I don't know what the total is going to be when the, when all is said and done, but there there will definitely be multiple multiple viewings. Uh any a lot of the shit that I predicted or thought that I was predicting was wrong, just like usual. Uh I I don't know what I can say that's not spoilery. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's definitely different. I felt like it had a lot of Ryan Johnson style in there. Uh, it was funnier than I expected. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there were a lot of jokes. Um, the twists all worked for me. Again, cause I, any predictions I had, I felt like didn't pan out or, or were wrong. So the ones that did happen, I was completely, were, were unexpected to me. So I, I enjoyed that. It kept me guessing, kept me on the edge of my seat, all that good stuff. Uh, I'm hoping by the time we do the review that I'll have a couple more viewings under my belt to be able to digest. Uh, I'll pass the phone off to Eric, and he can give me his quick little thoughts, whatever whatever you want to add. I don't really know what to say, because uh, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody. Just... Did you like it? We'll start there. Yeah, I did like it. i just trying to process the twists, because I... Well, yeah, I can't really, I can't really say anything. I don't want to say anything because I just don't want to spoil it. It was a good movie. Just go see it. <laughs> the end. I feel like that's all we talked about the first when we did Force Awakens too. Yeah, like, like, yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. Because okay, like, pass it on. because you can't say anything else. Like, there's so many other things and questions that I have and things that I want to be answered, but I can't say anything because I'll just ruin it for everybody. So yeah, there. Are, it's wait. pretty much good. What I'm just gonna add. There, there are questions to answers that people have been waiting for, and they will probably not be the answers you were waiting for. Pretty they much. will definitely be a surprise. Um, just pass it to Leslie. Yeah, Leslie, you want in? Uh, I mean, I'm kind of excited to watch it out of the theater, because there was, I feel like there was a lot in it that I didn't get because of just how much was going on. So, it's always, it's fun, like, opening day, because it's just the energy, but then to really understand it, I think I need to watch it without a bunch of people around me. The first viewing to take it in, the yeah. next viewings to digest. Yeah. That's how it goes. Yeah. But I did love it. And I didn't cry, which I was surprised <laughs> about. I was convinced I was going to bawl my eyes out, but now I'm, I'm okay. And there's moments I feel like where that should happen. Like, I feel yeah. like I should be crying. I think the crowd, I think that the crowd that we had affected my emotional, like, That's handling fair. of it. Yeah. Yeah, because there was a lot more humor that cut the uh, yeah cut the emotional part. But there was some great nostalgia. Maybe that's uh yeah. There are definitely some original trilogy callbacks that are awesome. Yeah, that was that was great. I did love that. 
so yeah, I think that's as far as we'll go. We'll see. I I don't know whether this will happen, so I don't know if I want to put this in. But I plan on multiple viewings for myself, but each time I go will probably be another first viewing for someone else. So we'll see if I can grab anybody else for this, and we'll try to go from there. Yeah. Otherwise, I might not use any of this, and we'll just go straight <laughs> to the review whenever we do it. We'll see what happens. Depends on what I'm feeling. Uh, all right, back to your originally scheduled program. Okay, so now that you heard what we thought, well, at least what a few of us thought immediately after the first viewing, I'm going to talk to these two guys and see what they thought. I'm actually really curious what Andy thinks. I, I feel like I have an idea where Bradley falls, but I haven't talked to Andy about this yet at all. And this movie seems to be very, very divisive online, so I'm even more curious to see what Andy thought. Um, actually, no, you know what? Before we get sort of thoughts, how many times have you guys seen the movie? Twice. One time. Twice. Okay. Um, Andy, let's start with you. What were your initial thoughts after seeing the movie? How do you How do you feel on it? Um, what do you, uh, how do you, what do you mean, how do I feel? I feel like there's, there's a very, like, love it or hate it reaction to this movie. I, I'm just I curious, I, sort of, like, what side of the fence you fall on. I would be on the love it. Okay. Um, Mike, I have an idea where you're at. Oh, yeah, you know I loved it. I, I Okay. Yeah, but... 100%. Um, I have now seen it three times. Uh, I will admit to saying after the first viewing, like I even the, the phone recording, I think, that you probably just heard, uh, I, I came out of it saying I loved it, and I was still trying to digest it, and the more I digested it, the more I wasn't sure if I liked it, and really thought hard on it and started reading a few things on it, and I still wasn't sure how I felt, and I went to go see it again, and... I don't know. I guess knowing how they they played, how it plays out, what they were trying to do. When I watched it again, I could sort of accept what was what was done and what this movie is going to be. And then I found myself loving it. So I'm. It took me a little bit. I was a little bit slower to get on the love it side, but I am I am fully there now. So I wasn't sure if any of us were like I, Bradley. I had an idea where you were at, but Andy, I wasn't sure if you'd fall on the other side of the fence and we'd have words. <laughs> Fisticuffs. Yeah. Verbal fisticuffs. <laughs> I mean, like, I understand people's, com- I guess, complaints or, or what what people are pointing at to saying, I didn't like this part, I didn't like that part. It's hard for me to decide, or I guess maybe interpret, what are just personal opinions and what is actually, like, a criticism of the movie. Because I feel like my hang-up, most of it, after that first viewing, was just personal stuff from me. Like, what I expected to see, what I wanted to see in certain instances didn't happen and that was a big hang up for me and i and once i sort of accepted what this movie is and what they did that was when i came to grips with okay this is this is good they 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 took this in surprising directions and i actually really like that now yeah it 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 kind of squashed your expectations at least it did squash my expectations yeah. but it replaced it with like this whole new like i went into the movie expecting something and didn't get it but i was still very much in love with it afterwards. Yeah. So I, I don't. I'm not sad that that stuff happened. I, I wish they would have answered some of the questions that I might have had, but. I, yeah. I, I I think a lot of the criticisms that came out were for that very reason. Is people had all these predictions, and they wanted all these answers about mysteries we had from The Force Awakens, things we didn't know. Things that, even after this movie, still may not be answered 
fully and may get an answer eventually. Um, and I feel like some of them, some of the criticisms that came were very much ignoring the fact that this is the middle movie in a trilogy. You know, the, even if you look at Empire yeah. and you look at the original trilogy, what was it, 20 years before we found out, you know, all the answers? You know, when we started getting the prequels. And sure, you know, there was a lot of hate toward the prequels, but you got your answers. But that was a long way off from when Return of the Jedi came. Yeah. Um, and it, it's a middle movie. And they still can answer those questions later. They just chose not to in this particular film. Um, and a lot of them wanted things to go certain ways that didn't go that way. Um, yeah, even speaking of the prequels, I'm thinking, like, how many questions... Yeah, we get answers to questions in the prequels, but the way some of those questions are answered in the prequels, a lot of people didn't like those either. Oh, no, I'm not saying they like the answers. I feel like this movie, no, they're, they're just... liking the fact there was no answer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... I, I think a okay. lot. I think a lot of these fans that are... Like disappointed with it, or just pouty preschoolers I about it. Tend to agree. Like, I, I think there's a lot like, of people. Like, oh man, <laughs> they didn't do this and they didn't do that because I predicted this. And it's just like, well, ah, get off your fucking high horse. See, I can't lie. That was sort of me coming out of the first viewing. Like, I I had those thoughts running through my head too. Well, I'm sure there's plenty of people. I I saw one guy called directly out for it on Reddit, and somebody actually went back and looked in his feed. And the, the the same guy was complaining about how similar The Force Awakens was to A New Hope. Was complaining about how dissimilar this movie was from Empire. Right. You gotta pick one road or the other if you're gonna complain. Like, you, you either want them to be like the old ones or you want them to be their own thing. I'm okay yeah, with whatever I... they do so long as it's a fun <laughs> movie in the end. But... Yeah, it's you, it's fucking Star Wars. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 if you're gonna complain about it, at least be consistent in your complaint. Yeah, I'd seen that floating around the internet too. After Force Awakens, everyone's like, "It's too similar to New Hope. We need something different." And this comes out, and they're going, "It's too different. We want something similar." Yeah. So it's like the notes that Disney needs to take is like, "Well, make something similar, but not too different, and and don't make any surprises because people don't like surprises. But but you know, keep us guessing a little bit because we don't want to know exactly what's happening when we see the movie. And like the the list can go on." Yeah, of crap it, like it, that. It, it's a white male of medium height with with medium brown hair and medium yeah. brown eyes, who has a normal job that it, and everybody wants something specific out of it, and you're not going to please every one of those desires. The moral of the story is you can't satisfy everybody. Yes, and some people will complain so, no matter what. That too. Yeah, this is the internet age after all. Yes, they like they live for it. Um, all right, so we we have a again, I don't want to just generally talk about this movie because all the all the good stuff's in the spoilers, and that's really what I, I want to dive into. Um, so generally, at least the three of us are falling on the side of the fence where we like this movie. I, the only advice I would say that is if you've only seen it once and you are on the fence where you're not sure or even if you hate it, I'd recommend just taking some time away from it, think about it, go see it again, and see if you still feel the same way because I've even seen people online admitting that they came out of the first viewing hating, hating it, giving it like three or four days, going to see it again, and then they love it. So if you just sort of accept what they've done and realize it's not going to change when you see it the second time, try to watch it for what it is and see if that helps your opinion at all. Uh, but 
yeah, it seemed it seemed like it helped me going in with that mindset anyway. So I I will just extend that advice to anyone else. Uh, anything else to add, just general wise, before we get into spoil before the spo- throw out the spoiler warning. I can't fucking talk already. <laughs> I'm getting too excited. I'm I'm like ready to dive into this. No, nah, I, I without spoilers, I'm I'm good. Let's get into it. Okay. All right. So at this point, we're going to move forward into spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie yet and don't want to hear specifics, pause this now. Come back to us after you've seen the movie. This is your spoiler warning for the Last Jedi. Wee wee spoiler. Wee wee spoiler. You know something like that. Uh, all right. So we're all set to dig into this one. Uh, I'm gonna start. Normally, when we get into the spoiler section, we've done these reviews in the past. It's just kind of like, what do you want to talk about? And we'll go from there. Uh, we're going to do this a little bit differently. I asked some friends of mine on Facebook. I put it up on the Facebook page for the podcast if anybody wanted to pose us any questions. And we can try to discuss those and see what kind of tangents we get on from there. Uh, so I had some people send me some messages. And I'm going to give them a shout out. We'll go through these questions. And hopefully, we can get through them all uh, before we're not here talking for like three hours because I feel like this could happen with a Star Wars show. Right, before we get to that, can I pose a question to you both? Th- th- this is a question I have that I want to see if you guys can figure out or had the same thought that I did. At one point in this movie, I was all but certain we were going to see a certain character return from the original series, but we didn't. Who is the character I'm thinking of, and when did I think we'd see them? Yeah, that's a very, very broad question. Well, I, I want to see if you can... I, like, I, If you guys think the same way I was thinking, you would be right on top of it. If you can decipher it, yeah. and give a good guess, go right for it. You're talking like original trilogy yes. character? yeah. Is it is it an original trilogy character that somehow showed up in the prequels too, or just specifically original trilogy? Just specifically original trilogy. Okay, well I was thinking Ben Kenobi, oh, no. who would also be in okay. the prequels. So no, not Ben Kenobi. Uh, no, I can't. I can't think. I don't know. That's too <laughs> broad for me. I can't narrow it down. Okay, I'll I'll go further. Who should Benicio del Toro actually have been? What was his character's name? Oh, Lando. Lando. I thought that was setting Lando up to be the master code breaker 100% going into it. They're like, oh, go to the casino. You're going to find him at the tables. He's a master. He he can break into anything. I'm thinking they're looking for a guy who's going to be gambling that's a scoundrel that can break into whatever the hell he wants. That sounds like it could be a good intro for Lando. And I was hoping it would be. (laughs) Because they left it like a secret. Yeah, I guess I never really saw Lando as a code breaker, though. I saw him as a con man, not a code breaker. It, it would have fit the character, though, to be able to break out of a prison cell, break into a anything, like, you know. It, it would have... I don't think it would have been outside of Lando's realm. Right. But I guess for what they wanted Benicio... Like, what, his, what they wanted his character to do, ultimately, in the end, is betray... Rose and Finn, so they can't well, have Lando. Isn't that what Lando do that. does in Empire? <laughs> yeah, I don't think for it would make for, it more like Empire. And please, that was. <laughs> I you know, yeah, it makes sense for Empire because he doesn't right. know these characters. If he if he is working for or helping the Resistance, which I would think he knows Leia is a part of, I don't think he would 
dick off no, Leia again. No, I don't again. think he would either. But I feel like they should have at least... Even if Lando hooked them up with the Codebreaker. Something like that. Like, go... Honestly, I, I think the better the better left turn type twist would have been Lando is the guy with the lapel. Meant. Oh, okay. I'm thinking you actually want them to get instead of Benicio, like actual have Lando there as the no, guy no, no. That's I was saying them. like they're they're teasing like oh he's gonna have this on his lapel. You're gonna find him at the casino. Like the guy they describe could have easily been Lando as opposed to who they end up with. Okay, I got you. I think I think even if they wound gotcha. up okay. with him, they could have went that route and figured out some other way for the first order to find out about the escape pods. You know, just instead of that turncoat scenario, just find a different way. Well, you're still saying like Lando, you want Lando to be with Rose and Finn when they break into the, to the star could, destroyer. I'm saying it could go either way. I'm saying I would have been happy either way. Even if he was just the guy at the table that they wouldn't recognize or know. Yeah, that's sort of what I I'm thinking. Happy with that. Like they, yeah, they don't know who Lando is, but we would see him and know exactly who he is, and we think he's going to be part of this story, and then when they get close enough, they get zapped and thrown in jail, and they get stuck with yeah. Benicio Del Toro. That would be... I'd, I'd like that. That would be sort of a fun little cameo. I could totally see them uh, introducing him into the third one as the person who taught Benicio Del Toro everything he knows. Like Benicio Del Toro's mentor. I see them yeah, okay. running into Maz again, and... Perhaps he shows up in her cantina this time. That could be too. Because I mean, there, there's no reason not to ask Billy D to come back and make an appearance. Like, it... I don't know. They've they've beat around the bush for two movies. I don't know if they're actually going to go for it on the <laughs> third one or not. But of course, they're running out of original trilogy characters to bring back. So maybe yep. now's the time. Um, all right, so I'm going to start rolling down some questions. We'll see how quickly we get through them or how much we get stuck on them. Uh, first couple questions come from Paula Miller. So her first question, why do people care about Snoke's backstory? We didn't know anything about the Emperor at first, right? I agree. Um, to me, Snoke was nothing more than a plot device. You know what I mean? Like, sure, was I hoping there was some cool backstory and he was some ancient Sith Lord that had been in the shadows for a long time. Yeah. But that, and one, that's still possible. And two, he served his plot device role. He served the purpose that he needed to serve. So I don't have a problem with them taking that route. Yeah. Uh, Andy, you got anything to chime in? Uh, I would have liked to have seen that expanded upon myself. Um, that being said, I do feel like Snoke kind of went out like a bitch. Which I think makes it all the more funny. Yes. <laughs> well, like, it was way too easy, in my opinion, for someone who's been, like, threatening the galaxy for as long as he has. Well, I think that's the thing. Like, th this movie is, like, every time you think it's going to go one way, it, it mm -hmm. left turns. Well, and, and they hype up Snoke so much as far as, like, he's supposed to be the badass. You expect him to be the emperor of, of this trilogy. So you th you are, you're already assuming once they introduce Snoke and and who he is and how powerful he is that he's going to make it through the third movie and he's going to be the villain of the third movie. So the fact that they take him out midway through the second that to me was like all right I dig this surprise. I personally I, as soon as Ray and Kylo connected I saw that coming in this movie like as soon as they 
connect for the first time, and they're talking. I you can see Kylo trying to recruit her, trying to, okay. and to me that was Kylo being Kylo and fi- following his own arc. Where even after he has essentially, to me, now the people may differ on this opinion, but to me, Kylo essentially fulfills his destiny to become the rebirth of the Sith. Because it was, you know, always clearly stated by J.J. and people who made the first film, Snoke and Kylo were not Sith. You know, they like that was made very clear. And Kylo and all his wet-behind-the-ears, dark-side-user kind of thing doesn't even realize that he just initiated the rebirth of the Sith by killing his master and immediately attempting to recruit Rey by his side to take his places, his apprentice. That's the rebirth of the Sith. And That's the rule of the that's yes, the rule of two. That is exactly the rule of two. Kill your master, take an apprentice. Um and it, it plays into Kylo's character. He was always very green in the first movie, and that is proven more than once in this movie. I mean, when he gets owned by Luke at the end, he's also very green and not picking up on subtle hints that that wasn't actually Luke. Like, oh, Kylo, you, you're so angry yeah. you didn't notice that Luke's not making footprints in the salt. And you are. Um, you're like, you're not picking up on this. <laughs> so it, it was yeah. fitting for the character, in my opinion, to have him do that and be completely oblivious to it. Yeah, and even just sort of like as Paula points out here, that the the if you think of the original trilogy and how much we see of the Emperor, and then we get the Emperor in Return of the Jedi, we know nothing about his backstory. Yes. We get his backstory in the prequels. So if you just take the original trilogy for what they are, Snoke is just like the Emperor. We get nothing about him. We just know he's a powerful dark side yep. user, and that's all we well, get. Well, George Lucas loves his prequels, so we may yet see some sort of media outlet on Snoke's backstory, so. Oh, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure there will be some book, sort of tie-in comic, book. something. Because, I mean, even... Right. Yeah, even even with this movie now being out, there is still that 30-year gap between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens that is largely uncovered. We There's a lot of stuff that happens in that time period that, that Lucasfilm hasn't released or hasn't, hasn't put out in some sort of multimedia format. So, at some point during that time... There has to be stories of Snoke and his rise to power. There's probably a story of him recruiting Ben and slowly corrupting him. Like, that that all can be still told. And if people are really curious about his backstory, mm-hmm. they, could, they could tell that. However, that being said, this movie also points out that you could be nobody and still be important. So, I don't expect Snoke to have some sort of big, deep relationship to, you know some other dark side force user that was in the original trilogy or the prequels or somebody. I, he could just be a new person rising to power that we know nothing about. I don't think he has to be, you know, all, like all those fucking theories that are like Snoke is Mace Windu. Fuck that. No, he could, he's just somebody well, I think else. Now that we have seen a color version of Snoke, it is very clearly not Mace Windu. Um, <laughs> well, he just got pale. Well, that does happen outside. with the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, see, it's still all the dark side force using. It just, I mean, I, skin tone just went away. I personally think that there's, I agree, there's no need for him to be anybody else. 
it do, it doesn't need to be Darth Plagueis. It doesn't need to be Mace Windu. It doesn't need to be anyone for it to work for the film. Yeah. And I mean, and we even theories theorized about that too, like who Snow could be and and what theories could work and even even after all the time and effort we put into trying to figure that out, I still love mm-hmm. that they fucking killed him and he's a nobody. Um Andy, you said you're still you're you're still not sure how they handled him. You you'd rather see more? I uh, I mean, that's just me like trying to, you know, cross the T's and dot that's the I's. Yeah. Um all right, so we'll move on to her next question. Paula's next question. Uh did we all hate the casino scene? Well, what specifically no. what do you what do you mean which what, which one? What, what what's what's the hate? I she didn't specify which part. I don't know if it's like that whole storyline with Finn and Rose when the casino and all that stuff. I mean, it could just be a, we'll just use that as a jumping off point. What did you think about their their side story? Um I I didn't mind it as much as it seems like other people did. Um I thought Benicio del Toro did a fantastic job with his character. Um, he played the role of scoundrel to a T, mm-hmm. perfect. Um, as far as Finn and Rose and the weird additional romance there, I didn't know if that was meant to be romance or what the hell it was meant to be. That was a little bit confusing. Um... But the rest of yeah. it, the idea that, you know, they're all these warlords making weapons for both sides and they're the, you know, the truly evil people because they're just profiting from death and they don't care who they're serving, whether they're good, bad, wrong, right. They're just making weapons and letting everyone die while they get drunk and right. mess around at a casino. Um, I, I don't mind that idea. It's not like, you know. I don't find that to be much of a problem. The whole... I don't know. It, like, it, it wasn't my favorite part of the movie, but it didn't ruin it for me in any way. Okay. Uh, Andy, where do no, you fall? No, I, I enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah, I especially enjoyed the... Uh, one of the three new creatures for the Star Wars B-theory being introduced. I thought those were pretty... Produce like I can't remember what their names were, but those big horse-like do- dogs, they, the horses with ride. human yeah. faces. Yeah, I can't think of the names either. Yeah, <laughs> I like those, and uh, I thought that it was cool that they trashed the place that was keeping slaves and uh, sort of lit a fire under those slaves and create. And at the end, we see them actually uh, talking about stuff that had happened mm-hmm. in the movie as, yeah so yeah i think uh you needed a spark after the first for viewing, a younger generation there you got it yeah um after the first viewing i think the casino's part in and rose and finn's side story uh part of the movie that was the part well one of the parts that was a hang-up for me i think more because the more i thought about it it's like they don't accomplish anything they go off and everything they try to do fails, and they ultimately just end right back to where they started, accomplishing nothing. And the casino scene is, I feel like, a lot of that stuff is very political, I think, in there. I don't, I think it's very handed, heavy-handed in its, in its political overtones there. Um, 
so when I thought about it that way, I was like, well, this is kind of pointless, and I feel like if something could be cut, all that stuff could be cut. But then at the same time, for for the arc of the characters, I think they had to go through all that thing. They had to fail. It brings them back around to the end and where they finally start, especially Finn, like where he starts to stand up for what he believes in now instead of just trying to run away from everything. Mm-hmm. And having Rose by his side through all of that, I think, helped him get around to that point. Um, and even there's a lot of there's a lot of themes in this movie about failure and how failure you can pick yourself up again after failure and, and all that stuff. So the whole second act is just everyone failing at everything that they do. Well, I mean, and it, it it's also not a subplot without point though, because like they have the the purpose of that whole plot line wasn't to have them succeed and save the rebellion or the resistance in any way. It was to spark. Like, like Andy said, it, the, the whole pur- purpose of that was to create the spark in those children, to be talking about it, to create a future for the Resistance. See, I, I, f- that, I feel like it was more Luke, Luke's thing that created the spark, not not their thing. Well, that's why we have that final scene, though, is those kids talking about it and... They're talking looking. about Luke. They're talking about Luke, but they met actual Resistance members and they have her ring. Yes. Oh, that's true. That's true. So okay. they were there. They were part of it. They helped that. That's true. Okay. I see what you're saying now. I got you. Yeah. So, it's just, you know, sort of my point is like the first time I, I watched it, I was I was hung up on the stuff that I thought didn't make sense or, or was wasted time. And then when I look back at it as a whole is what the movie's trying to accomplish and saw it again, then that stuff made sense to me and why it needed to be in there and what it accomplishes and stuff like that. So I was I was okay with it later. At first it was a little bit of a hang up for me. But yeah, I'm I'm cool with it now. My my biggest problem with all the stuff that happens there what's the name of that planet? Canto Bite. Canto Bite. Is that last scene though. That very last scene we get before the credits where we see the kid using the force to pull the broom to his hand. I have an issue with that. Because what what Ryan Johnson did with that is now we need an answer to what happens to that kid. No, 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 no. That's not the point. The point is the the same with a lot of the themes that they establish in this movie. You don't have to be special. You don't have to come from someone else no, 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 to no. be the hero of the story. You could be anybody. I agree. But because he's a force wielder, we now have to get a story for what happens to that kid from here out. Not where he came from, not what he is or who he is, but... Now, he's a Force user, presumably, you know, for what all we know, the third Force user that's left in the universe. See, I don't think it's that specific. I feel like uh, that's I mean, just hinting that there are other people in the galaxy that, that now are that are Force-sensitive, that are just undiscovered. Okay. Uh, Not I'll necessarily just that. that person. I think it's it's just hinting that there are other, you know, he's the first of many or something like that. It's a furthering of the idea that the Force awakened, then. Yeah, yeah, you could say, yeah. Okay. Um, Andy, were you trying to say something? I think we cut you off. No, I was going to chime in with basically what you said, so bravo. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I read your mind. I just had to jump in. Hey, get your Force out of my head. (laughs) (laughs) All right, next question. And this might be up for debate, too, but why did Phasma die off? is more she, to the point, yeah. More to the point, do we actually she think dead? she's dead? I doubt that she is. Yeah, that that would be my response to that question. I 
I don't think they definitively killed her by sending her off falling. Um, you get no death moment. I mean, she has to come back because she's now been wasted in two right. movies. She was wasted better in this movie than she was in the previous one, though. True. She had more screen time in Force Awakens. She had a cooler... Well, she, she had a fight scene in this movie, which was more than yes. she got to do in the other one. Yeah, we get to see her in action here. We actually get to see that the, her fucking armor does something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> so, it, it I mean, if it deflects question, blasters... Why aren't the other stormtroopers' armor just yeah, the it, same if, thing? If it deflects blasters, you would expect it to be able to stand up to some of that explosion that she went through there. Yeah, maybe it's maybe it's fireproof too. They could explain it away like that. And yep. Mike, to your point, maybe the armor's just too expensive to make for the entire army. Well, and here's the other question I have. If it stands up to blasters, does it stand up to a lightsaber? And do we get that as a that that I'd like to see. Because there is, like, in in the old canon anyway, I don't know if they still talk about it in the new canon, uh, there is a metal that they mine from Mandalore, which is the, uh, uh, like, the Boba Fett's planet. Yeah, um, it's, a, it's the armor that they make, yeah, right? They, they, yeah, it's, it's, it's whatever metal that is, I can't think of the name of it, but they found that it's resistant to lightsabers, and that's why Mandalorians use it and are able to best Jedi, because the armor they use can withstand a lightsaber, so... If her armor has something like that in there, that would be a really fucking cool fight to see later. Yes. I don't know that her yes, armor would. would, though, because, I mean, Finn uses that, what, vibro sword and... Well, that's true. He breaks, he her breaks helmet your helmet with that thing. But is that sheer impact, or is that because of the because of the vibro sword? Well, you'd think if, a, if the armor could stop a lightsaber, it should be able to stop a blunt instrument from breaking it, too. One's energy-based, one's impact-based. And yeah. it, you know, they, there's really not many impact-based weapons in the Star oh, Wars that universe. That's so why would they been answered in the extended universe? I wonder if the Mandalorian has gone against the Vibra Sword and seen how the armor is going. I don't know. My first, my first answer is like, I'll have to get like the visual dictionary for the Last Jedi and see if they make mention of what her armor is made of. Yeah, that would be a good thing to do. Research, yes. There you go. F that. (laughs) With with all the stuff in the Old Republic canon, I would be interested to see, though, because Vibro Swords were supposed were very common then, so if it can hold up to it, I'm sure there's something there about a Mandalorian against a Vibro Sword somewhere in the Old Republic canon. There's always Google, too. We can always check check Wikipedia. That's true. That's true. (laughs) But that said, if Phasma is dead, it's just another Boba Fett. I mean, <laughs> yeah. like, Phasma's the coolest looking stormtrooper there ever was, and she's gone. Well, that would suck. Boba Fett, the coolest looking bounty hunter there ever was, he's gone. Neither one of them did that much. Yeah. I was going to say, let's, let's, who, who went out better? Because I feel like they both kind of went out like a bitch. Did, yeah. If. She's gone. Uh, I would, I would say Phasma still goes out better than Boba Fett, though. Boba Fett just gets owned. He never actually like gets the better of anybody. <laughs> she... And he has a lady scream. Yeah, he literally screams like ah. Yeah, is that your best it's lady bad. scream? That's that's the best. <laughs> and, I got. and let's face it here, Phasma beats Finn. He just happens to land on an elevator yep. and surprise him. <laughs> yeah, so, he's just a lucky fuck. Yeah. So 
She won that battle. Which, by the way, when she when she knocks him off and then immediately flips around and pulls out that pistol and starts blasting off at Rose, that was the coolest fucking thing ever. Yeah. She's just like, okay, turn around. And the ire that uh, Finn gets after, like, you can actually see her eye. Just, like, uh, oh, that yeah. Gwendolyn Christie did an excellent job of just, like, the seething hate from one eyeball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and it's also like a part of that is almost like Finn's realization, like that's a person in there, not just a friggin' tin can. You yeah. Because <laughs> it. I mean, he's had to have seen her without the armor on, right? He's seen other oh, stormtroopers wow, with, without she's their a armor. Commander. Wow. <laughs> not like that, Andy. <laughs> she's a commander, maybe. Chain maybe of command. Not. That's and true. Yeah. Most maybe. of them probably never saw Kylo without the helmet until this movie. Oh, that could be true too. So. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole kind of thing, is they have their underlings and the faceless leaders. I got you. Okay. Uh, All right, next question. Uh, Is Luke a badass or what? Yes. He is. He's also kind of a curmudgeon. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he is. Right. This is another one where I kind of, I don't know, I got frustrated with people online. like postings reviews whatnot you read i felt like a lot of people just didn't understand what was really going on there yes with luke i i feel like they were missing the point of some of it like yes luke he yeah he kind of is a curmudgeon i like that aspect of the way he treats ray at first it served for a few light-hearted moments and that was fine but luke in his whole arc of, you know, removing, cutting himself off from the Force, it, I feel like most people myth. I f- feel like he was doing that intentionally because he was afraid of himself, not because he was afraid to face Kylo, not yeah. because he was wanting to die. He did not want to become his father, and he, when he tried for that brief moment, when he thought he might kill. Ben, he thought to himself afterwards, after you know the results that we see, damn, I probably shouldn't be doing this because what happens when I don't stop myself and I become my father? Yeah, he gave into the dark side a bit there. For a moment. A brief I brief, I guess brief I don't... moment. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I ever saw it as like he he was afraid to become the next like be, like be like Vader and fall like that. I I saw it more of just shame, and, and I think he even says that too that he was ashamed of what he tried to do to Ben. Just instinct took over, and he thought that was going to save the galaxy right then and there. But at that moment, when when Ben sees what he was going to try to do, and then just goes ape shit and kills everybody, I think. Luke feels solely responsible for being the catalyst to turn Ben into Kylo Ren. Yes. And suddenly he starts thinking, I I shouldn't be involved because I just make things worse. Okay. And I think that's where it sort of comes from. Is he is he's he's trying to hide, thinking the galaxy is better off without me because I just am going to cause more chain reactions like that. Could be. That that was the way I interpreted. It. Anyway. That's a fair interpretation. Uh, I I think more to the question that was asked. 
because I feel like I could go on for hours about that, and there may be questions that ask about it. But um, <laughs> Luke being a badass, once again, I think we come back to some things that were introduced in old expanded universe stuff that's no longer canon. Um, w- with him being able to project himself into a battle, um, which I want to say it was actually in the Darth Bane trilogy. Um, where I first, I don't know if it's the first occurrence of it, but it was where I first read about force projections and Jedi and Sith both being able to do what he did and also other things just by meditating on the battles, um, that were taking place, whether they were projecting themselves into battle or meditating to create doubt in enemy soldiers and fear in enemy soldiers, things like that, but. That, I thought, was an excellent throwback at the same time as being like, yeah, Kylo's still has no clue what the fuck he's doing, and Luke just fucking owned his ass, and I I thought that was an excellent moment, and excellent, if you were gonna have to have Luke go out, I thought that was a great way to do it. Uh, Yeah, Andy, where you at Uh, with that? Yeah, I would say he was uh, pretty badass. Um, did that did that end work for you? The only gripe I would have to that end, and I've only seen the movie once, so and I'd like to see it again to see if um it truly is the case. But when he is done meditating and he's kind of like scraping to get back up on top of that little pillar, he looks over and he sees the sun. It looks like he recognizes something, but they don't outright say what it is. Or show you what it is. I can also... I noticed it the second time, because I noticed the same thing you're talking about, and if you look at the sun, you can see a little shadow. A tiny, tiny little shadow on the horizon out there. Yeah, and it looked like he was like, oh, things are going to be okay. And I can't... I couldn't decipher that one viewing what that shadow was. Yeah, I, I might have missed what you guys are talking about. I assumed he's looking like that because the next shot is the twin sons of Tatooine. Uh, yeah, that's what I came to as it's, well. It's just a recognition of just like him being home and, and feeling at peace that he's sort of back where he started and that kind of thing. It, it, it comes like full it, circle, sort of. That and That's what it turns into. Um, but for that brief moment when he looked into the sun while he still isn't like back up onto the pedestal, I swear there is a shadow in the sun. Like a little it's rectangular there. thing. It, it, yeah, there's a little thing there in the distance you can see. What? Look for it the next time. Look directly into the sun, Brian. It is there. <laughs> um, it, it, I don't... It's probably just a helicopter they couldn't get yeah, out of the sun I don't think it's anything. Like, I don't think they meant for that. I think that was what you said. I think it was meant to be him being like the sons of Tatooine, and that was the recognition that he was having. But they're definitely, because the first time I watched it, I definitely saw the same thing that Andy's talking about, and there is absolutely something there. Could it even be just as simple as him seeing the sun? Like, he's just been so curmudgeon and like, I don't give a shit about anybody or anything anymore, that now he's just, like, realizing, hey, look, the sunset is pretty oh, beautiful. Oh, absolutely, but I, it's not that, I'm not talking about, it, like, like his facial expression looks like he recognizes something, and I'm fine with that being the sons of Tatooine. But there's something coming, like, it, it gets a little bit bigger, like, you can see, like, there's <laughs> something that looks like a ship 
in the way far off distance flying closer in the sun. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it just, okay. it looks like it. I don't think it's intended. I don't think it was intentionally there. But it's there. Okay. Well, yeah, then I don't, I don't have any answers for you. But I, I think if you look back somewhere, I want to say after we got, I think it might be on the show we did after Celebration, where we talked about the trailer. Okay. And I think I called Luke going out the way he went out. Fading off into uh, no, I haven't, yeah, I haven't gone back and listened force, to it. Like Ben did, going away the same, going the same way both of his masters did. I'm pretty sure I mentioned that at yeah. some point in that episode. I didn't think it was going to happen be, in that this movie. Familiar. I will say that. Yeah, I really didn't think. I, I think even if I remember what I freaking recorded before the movie, but I'm pretty sure I predicted Luke's going to make it through this one. So yeah. that was wrong. I'm sure we'll have questions about the other stuff later because there uh, is something I wanted to see different in this at the end. But yeah, I think um, yeah. To to answer Paul's, Paul's question, yes, Luke is a badass. I I think there was going to be no doubt in anyone's mind after this movie that Luke, like regardless of what he did in this movie, I think they would have made had to yeah. make Luke a badass. Being having the title of Jedi Master, being one of the last surviving Jedi, like that just has to be the role he fills. Uh, that being said, I think the way they treated Luke in this movie was my biggest hang-up after the first viewing. I think after just reading so many expanded universe novels of the old canon and, and reading about Luke's exploits and, and how they wrote that character and what he could have been, that was sort of the expectation I had coming in to see Luke that kind of Luke on screen. And that's not what I got. He is very, vastly different attitude-wise in this movie than he is in those books, and I think that was a, that was a hang-up for me. But... Again, seeing the movie as a whole, what they did, coming back and watching it again, knowing what they're doing with his character and his arc, it, it, I, I'm okay with it now. I, I've accepted it. I enjoy it now. Um, but yeah, I think, it just, I, I wanted even just personal gripe for me. Like I wanted to just see him use his green lightsaber against somebody and just have a lightsaber fight. That like even, granted, we get sort of a fight at the end, but it's not like a traditional lightsaber fight that you want to. I, I don't know that I guess I had playing in my head and even like the first time I saw it too, when he, I granted the first time I saw it, I did not realize that was a force projection. I was still like, Oh, Luke's here. He's going to kick some ass. And then like he ignites a blue lightsaber and I'm like, that's not his. <laughs> that's what I kept thinking the whole fucking time is where's the green one. So, so that lightsaber just got ripped in two. How could he have that in his hands right now? So you didn't have the thought instantly when he turned up, even before he got out there with Kylo of boy, when did he trim his beard and color his hair? I just figured he was making a public appearance and wanted to look good. <laughs> that, that was my first thought was, boy, he he cleaned himself up to come see Leia. Like, And I thought that too, but I just thought that was on purpose. <laughs> I didn't realize it was a force projection either at that first moment, but it, it, I was th- I was suspicious. I'm like, why, why would he do that? That like, that just Yeah, I mean, all the signs are there if you're looking for it. Mm-hmm. Like, he looks younger. He has a lightsaber that is broken and was originally his, and even he... his uh, physique is better. Yeah, and then like when when the all the walkers start shooting at him, he he walks through the smoke without any debris or anything on him, which also he, was brushed... a great moment. <laughs> yeah, when he brushes the non-existent dust off his shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just like uh-huh. and 
When he fights <laughs> Kylo, the lightsabers never connect. He's dodging everything, because had the lightsabers connected, his lightsaber would have went through Kylo's. Yeah. So it's it's very strategic in the way all that stuff is set up. And again, the signs are there if you know what to look for. And I was just so hung up on, why does he have not his green lightsaber? When I couldn't... <laughs> well, like I said, with the salt and the the red ground under the salt, like, yeah, they even that very clear distinction of Kylo making impressions in it. You know, like they show Kylo like readying his feet, and when Luke's moving around, nothing's moving with him. <laughs> yeah, and I missed all that stuff. It was just all I over, the all over my head. Too. The second time I picked up on all of that, and I was like, ah, <laughs> they got us. It was there. He's, he's just that light on his feet, foot like a butterfly, sting <laughs> like a <laughs> Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you amended that right at the end. Sting you really like, thought about that like for a second. Obi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 that was bad. <laughs> um, one thing I sort of wanted to ask, and I want to see if you guys caught it too, because I'm still unsure after three viewings. The flashbacks with Luke and Ben. Now, I've had this theory for a while that that the lightsaber that Ray inherits, that was Luke's, and all that stuff, was passed down to Ben at one point. Is that the blue lightsaber he's grabbing off the table in his hut when Luke tries to attack him? Is that the same lightsaber? Because I've seen it three times, and I feel like it is. That Ray has and gives the loot? Yes. 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 Absolutely. Yeah, I I believe that it is. I tried watching closely in my second viewing to see if it was, and I couldn't see a clear enough look at it to be like, oh, yeah, that's definitely Anakin's lightsaber. Yeah, we never get that right angle to it, and it's not dwelled on it enough to know for sure. Well, there's even hints about it in The Force Awakens. Right, and that's what I'm basing a lot of this off of is just Kylo's reaction to that weapon. He's yeah. like that. He, he saber, literally calls it, it his. To me, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if you remember when when it calls to Ray and she has that like sort of, uh, I would I don't want to call it a force hallucination, but uh, she has Luke that. on Dagobah like vision, vision. Yeah, vision. Yeah, it's uh, in the Force Awakens. You hear what I. Ex- when I interpreted it as when I saw The Force Awakens was when Luke finds out that Vader's his father and he goes, no, you know. But uh-huh. it's actually him going, Ben, no. Which is exactly what happens in the flashback in this movie. Oh, uh, okay. See, now i got to watch Force Awakens again. <laughs> um. Okay, yeah, I just wanted another opinion because I felt like I, I that's where I'm falling on it, that it is that lightsaber and as regards to, the point, to whether I feel like, or not it was anakin's uh, that i can't uh, that i can't oh, that answer. i mean it's gotta be, like that's the one that they set up that obi-wan takes from anakin Obi one yeah. gives to luke luke loses it and somehow it finds its way like somebody finds it i guess eventually and gives it to ben and then ben loses it and then they give it to ray it's the same of course no one's making any mention that that lightsaber was used to kill a bunch of children way back when I don't know why that's not a hang-up for people. I don't think objects have that kind of resonance in Star Wars. You say that, except when Rey touches it, she gets all no, these no, no, I, feelings I and flashbacks yeah, and emotions from more, it. I don't think that's because of the lightsaber. I think that's... But it seems like she sees things that the lightsaber has seen. Well, aside from maybe like her young self. Yeah, I that think that's just vision. her having a vision because she's touching something that 
was used by strong force. Force. Be careful force. how you finish that sentence. <laughs> um, um, <laughs> so there's no doubt in your guys' mind that the, the that that lightsaber is something that was passed down from Anakin to Luke to Ben. Correct. That's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So there's no way whatsoever that this was just Ben's lightsaber. Like he constructed it as a training well, exercise with Luke. The story I remember having heard associated to with why the reason for Kylo's lightsaber being so unstable in the Force Awakens and in this the red one, the red, yeah, one, the red the broadsword, is that it is poorly constructed because he wasn't entirely trained as to how to make a lightsaber. He was not properly taught how to do it. So to have one that functions just right and all that in the blue one and the second one he constructs that he does wrong be what it is I think that clearly states that he didn't make the first one because the reason it has the whatever those things are called the side things that a broadsword would have um, those are actually like vents for the extra energy and the description of his lightsaber the reason they're there supposedly in canon is that it has too much unstable energy and it needed vents so he had to actually create vents on the side because he couldn't make a lightsaber correctly. Um, yes. That, I'm pretty sure that's in like the visual dictionary for Force Awakens. Yeah, I think that's where it came from. And, and So okay. yeah, with that, with that assumption, he's, again, he inherited Luke's. He had no reason to build one to begin with, so when he finally tries to build one, it's fucked up. Yeah. And we also don't, know for certain that he knows the lineage of the lightsaber. That he knows that that belonged to Vader at one time. You know what? That connection didn't even occur to me until you just said that. That if it's not his, that could be why he wants it so bad, because he knows it was Anakin Skywalker's and Vader's. Right. He, he could know that that belonged to them, or he could be oblivious to it, one or the other. You know, like he could want it because of Vader, or he could want it because it was his. It, yeah. We don't really have that answer as to what his motive behind saying that's mine that doesn't belong to you see see now i'm just spitballing here because that would be a really good like backstory thing i think for kyle for for ben solo as he inherits this lightsaber from luke back when he's still a good guy figures out or or researches it somehow or or someone tells him even oh you know that that lightsaber belonged to anakin skywalker right when he turned into darth vader Suddenly, that starts him down the path to the dark side, and then he runs into Snoke's, or even Snoke could be the one to tell him something like that to plant the seeds, well, yeah, to get him wanting to be like Vader. I wonder if Luke didn't even give him that lightsaber. Like Luke himself found the lightsaber in like the thirty-year gap and gave it to Ben Solo because he was like, like the only nephew that Luke may ever have. So right. kind of like pass it down family heirloom uh, right right yeah and then it turns out he's a training to be a jedi like hey you <laughs> can actually use this now i think that in some i'm trying to get my train of thought on a line here um <laughs> but in some ways you could say that he may have Got the lightsaber, been told by Luke, this belonged to Anakin, my father. He didn't know that Anakin was Vader. 
because it, like we both read Bloodlines, Brian. You, you know from that movie, uh, that's right. Leia yeah, yeah. and Luke kept that part a secret. Like it, it, that was kept to like yeah. Luke, Leia, Han, and Chewie were like the only people that knew about it. Well, In Bail Bale, Organa yes. too. We, but they, they were like the only ones that knew about it up until this book, Bloodlines, where somebody exposes that on Leia that finds it out, and that's that would be when Ben would find out. And he, at that time... And that's true, because that's 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 a plot point in the book where Ben is with yes. Luke at this point. And when that news becomes public knowledge to the galaxy, one of Leia's first reactions is, this is not how I wanted my son to find out who his grandfather yes. is. So that's per... In all likelihood, I'd say that would make sense, that he tells them it's Anakin's, doesn't tell them who Anakin was, obviously. And then it goes around the galaxy that... Anakin Skywalker turned out to be Darth Vader, and he finds out that was my grandfather. So I find that to be quite probable, and could very well be connected to that. And see, this makes for a good story. This is something I want to read. Like, give me that book from Ben's perspective when all this shit goes down. Mm -hmm. I would read that. Um, all right, last question from Paula. Uh, do you think Kylo Ren is still redeemable? Andy, I'll let you go first because I have a lot on that question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I think anybody is redeemable. Isn't okay. that, I think uh, um, Return of the Dead I proves that. Okay. I, I, I feel like I have a lot to say too, Mike, so I don't know which way. If you want to go first, you want me to go first? Play off of each other on it. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like at this point the answer is and there is no absolutes except with a Sith, and in this case I would say he is irredeemable. And that is part of why Luke feels the way he does and he doesn't want to help is that he sees that, that darkness within him at that point and realizes nothing can be done about turning him. When he tells Ray, it's not going to go how you think, he knows what's going to happen with Kylo. He knows Kylo is just going to turn her. He knows all of that. And I don't see them playing the redeemable route with him. I think they want a pure evil. And I think that's what Luke saw in him and why Luke was so tempted to just end him is he didn't see any of the redeemable qualities that he saw in his own father. He saw the redeemable qualities in Vader. He knew there was still good there. He looked at Ben and nearly killed a teenage boy because he couldn't see that. Yeah, I, I, I'm with Mike on this one. I, I don't think there is a redeemable... I, I think they played with that expectation in this movie, obviously. And right when you think it could happen, they again, they give you the left turn. As soon as Ray and Kylo have their awesome fucking fight, and after he's killed Snoke, immediately when that's over, the first thing he does is look, is look at the throne. And right then, you're like, nope, he is on that path. He is not trying to be a helpful guy. He is not going to come back around. He, he wants that power. He still craves that power. Vader was a lackey. He he gave up trying to go for that power. There was no killing the master for Vader. The only reason he did that was to save his son. That wasn't a power grab for the for the rule of two for the Sith. That was to save his son. 
what Kylo does and when he kills Snoke is a power grab. He's he thinks he's going for the throne and he thinks he's going to get Rey to go right there with him and that's not how that works. Um I feel like I had more of a train of thought there and then I just lost it. But I I also see all the interactions between Kylo and Rey I saw as him manipulating her the entire time. I didn't see any of that as being him being genuine. I saw that as him setting up an alliance and her taking his spot when he managed to overthrow Snoke. I saw it like he saw that opportunity and he decided, let's see if I can push her in the direction I want her to go. Yeah, I could see that. But I mean, I don't know. I could also see it being genuine too that he he might actually care for her and still, well, I don't know. If it's genuine, there's well, light in him. Well, if it's genuine, then he is redeemable. Yes. That's true. And I I don't see him being redeemable. I see it being palpable. But I well, do here's, well, that's that's the problem because because I do feel like that was genuine. Okay. I feel like um, Adam Driver's face makes it feel more genuine than it is. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have I have an argument sort of for both sides. One Andy, the the whole like, um, Vader being redeemable. I I think they probably will not do that with Kylo, only because they did that with Vader. I think if you start making the precedent where every bad guy is then redeemable, and by the the third movie they all turn back to the good side, that that becomes a pattern that you just it, it makes the movies uninteresting. So I think putting Kylo in this position where he is the one to be stopped. They don't want to save him; they want to stop him. That makes nine, I think, a lot more interesting to me. But at the same side, for someone that keeps preaching, or for the for the opposite side, sorry, for someone that keeps preaching in this movie that the past has to die, he still refuses to kill Leia. Right. He had the opportunity and doesn't. So if Let's, you want to make the argument that he is still redeemable, that could be a very strong point in that favor. I disagree. You it, don't think he needs to kill Leia to... Absolutely not. What is it that turns Anakin? Love for his mother is the first little bit of the dark side we see in Anakin when he destroys the Sand People. There is... All of that is supposed to be there in a Sith. That passion, that love, that... All the extra feelings that people have that the Jedi are supposed to suppress, the Sith are not. Love for your mother is actually a rather Sith thing to do. Believe well, that or not. makes sense for Anakin because that's what they preach over the first, the, like the entire prequel trilogy is all about him and Padme. This is the first time we see him see Kylo do have any kind of re like interaction with Leia. Mm -hmm. So the fuel for that doesn't carry as much weight for me, for him. I don't think. I I'm just saying, I think he always loved his mother and hated his father. We never hear him say a bad thing about Leia. True. I mean, like he bashes Han all over the place, but mommy. Was, but I don't know why that would mommy. fuel him to have a power grab. It's not fueling him to have a power grab. It's well, I mean, fueling him. He's, he's taking the throne, right? For, no, I'm saying the love for his mother keeps him from killing her. He can't pull okay. the trigger on his mom because he actually does love his mother, which is not something that would preclude him from acting like a Sith. A Sith would not kill their own mother if they loved her. Because the Sith preach that love. They preach acting upon it, even if the action is contrary to your goals or what is right. Alright, I, I guess I can see it. It's sort of a roundabout way to get there, in my opinion, but 
I, I see what you're saying. I don't think it precludes it, but we also, speaking of Leia in this whole situation, one of Leia's last lines in this movie is that her son is gone. Oh, yeah. They, they, she also makes a very clear statement, and Leia, throughout her appearances in Star Wars, has always been the most empathic character in the series. She can sense and feel things in others better than even Luke can. What a feeling she made up that her that decision after uh, she sent her husband to go bring him back, and he came back dead. I don't think she did then, because they, they, I don't think they they may have had her say it earlier in the movie. But it it doesn't takes till the very end of this movie for her to say no. My son is gone. Technically, it's like two days later. Yeah, that's true. It this, <laughs> this is it is still fresh. Yeah, you're right. Uh, so yeah, I think her saying that means that she can't sense any of the good left in him that she if Leia doesn't think she can bring her own son back I, I don't I think they're going the route that he's not redeemable okay Cause, yeah that's 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 where I'm falling too because even if Vader was redeemable Palpatine never was and I will say this is something I wanted like I did not want like there was all those rumors about Rey and Kylo flipping sides in this movie, and I, that's something I didn't want to see. I wanted them to be solidified as good and bad, and that's where they end up in this movie. And I am I am on board with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. I it, like if they flip sides, it would have been an awesome twist just to see it happen, and then afterwards you would have been like, "Is that the right decision, though?" <laughs> you know, like yeah, it would have been cool yeah. to see the first time, and then I don't know how it would have felt after, <laughs> J- just to see the audience reaction of what the fuck. But, yeah. Um, all right, so we finished Paula's questions. We're going to move on to questions from uh, Jen Nickel, who has been on before. Jen was on for the uh, Star Wars 40th anniversary podcast we did. I've been trying to get her back. I couldn't get her back for this one, so we got some questions. Yeah, we, we did the uh, Would You Rather from BB-8. Yeah, that's right. That was a good time. Um, all right, so her first question. Did Kylo tell Ray the truth about her parents? I'm, I'm uh, suspicious of that. Meaning you think he's lying to her? Yes. Okay. I don't think he is. Um, I, I think a lot of their point in this was that you could come from nothing. Um, and still be something. I, I think that was a thematic point that they wanted to make here. So I don't think... like I think it'd be cool if he was lying to try and manipulate her. But I think it was also a case of him telling her what she already knew. So I think she would have known he was lying. Like, she she could feel it, too, as the truth. Yeah. Because I think that's the whole, it's, it's the, the whole uh, Dark Side Cave thing. Like, what is her greatest fear? Having no one but herself. And that's the reveal in the cave. That's the reveal with her parents is like, and I've even seen Ryan Johnson, like they've, they've asked him like, why is that decision or why did you come to that decision? And it was his, his rationale was more if, if she turned out to be a Skywalker or Kenobi or Solo or something, it felt like suddenly her life became easier. Yes. Like what it's more or less in, in that moment, what is the hardest decision for her or her hardest answer for her to come to grips with? And it's that she is nobody. She comes from nowhere. She is not a Skywalker. She's not a Kenobi. She's not anybody important that has done this before. And her life is not handed to her on a silver platter because of that. She has to work for everything she is because she is just herself by herself. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think uh, granted, for all we know, this could be retconned in the next movie. 
could be. JJ seems to set up Force Awakens as she is someone important. Ryan Johnson says, no, 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 I'm doing it this way. JJ's wrapping up this trilogy. If JJ wants to, he could he could totally spin that the other way around again. I also think I don't think they will, but it's it's a possibility. That whole scene is the same as the Dagobah scene with Luke and seeing himself in Vader's mask and all that. Like you're saying, it's seeing your greatest fear. Luke's greatest fear came out to be true. Her greatest fear comes to be true. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, once again, JJ, like you said, could retcon it and go with something different, but I don't think the intent of this script was to have him be lying to her. I, yeah, okay. Um, Andy, you think he might be lying, so are you, if, if the reveal stays true, that she is, she is nobody important, she comes from nowhere, are you okay with that, or would you still rather see yeah, her be... Yeah, I just, the way that Kylo Ren was kind of manipulating her to be his apprentice... Um, I could see that falling in line, him not giving her the truth and telling her what she believes or feels is true in her heart. He is telling her that to instill weakness in her, and he is the strength. Right. And in that case, yeah, it, get her, I, get I her think the most vulnerable. Right. I, I, so. If that were true, I think the only thing that it would rule out is them being brother and sister. Simply because if they were brother and sister, I feel like he would have used that in his favor to try and turn her. Right. I mean, she doesn't have to... She doesn't... She might be the son and the daughter of two vaguely important people that we don't even know. But, you know, still, you know, I, I think it's a possibility. And I don't know about either of you, but when their little, like, first force connection started happening... Mike, that was the first thing I started thinking of is, oh, they're twins. Yeah, I had the same instant feeling like, yeah, they're, they're blood. Like, I didn't I yeah. didn't know about twins, but possibly brother and sister. Because they look like they're different I figured ages. they were going to... I figured they were going to in, interpret the, the Jane and Jason solo sort of thing from the expanded universe into the movie. Yeah. And take inspiration from that. That's where I thought it was going. So I did love that it was just Snoke fucking with them. Like, I, I love that twist. Yeah. Yeah, an interesting play on it. Uh, next question from Jen. Who made the map to Luke since it seemed pretty clear he was trying to disappear? And I actually have an answer for this if you guys don't know, because this one I saw on Twitter. You saw, like, an official answer to it? Yeah, from uh, Pablo Hidalgo, who works for Lucasfilm. He's part of the story group. Okay. Um, I do not know the answer, so I'm interested. No, yeah, do I'm I. interested to hear. All right, so Pablo's answer is that the map isn't technically to Luke. Han explains to Rey and Finn in Force Awakens that Luke was looking for the first Jedi Temple. The map that they find was gathered from information from Lord Santeca, the guy that Poe meets at the beginning of Force Awakens, to the first Jedi Temple, where they believe Luke is hiding. There's no guarantee he was going to be there. That's where all the information pointed. That was what the map was to. That's what they used to find him. Okay, fair enough. Um, her last question, uh, what do you make of sudden, suddenly being able to materialize physical things through the force, like Luke giving Leia the gold dice from the Falcon? Um, they weren't actually the dice. They disappeared. Yeah. When yeah, Luke I kind of just took that as, as 
part of Luke's force projection. The only yeah. problem I had with like that... Like, when, when he died, he that went away. The, the only problem I had with that was Leia's ability and Kylo's ability to hold them. Because... Oh, that's true, yeah. Luke was just phasing through everything else. Well, then again, he still kisses Leia on the forehead, too. Yeah, but, I mean, that that doesn't... I guess, I guess there's no, like, we're not sure there's any actual physical contact there. Yeah, and it's Leia. She could know that that's not actually Luke at that moment. She can feel that it's not actually Luke. And she just accepts yeah, okay. it as a kiss on the head, even though she can't actually feel it. Um, I felt like that was a little strange. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. Creative decisions, anyway, I guess, with the movie. Just to, just to give that little point in. Hey, remember Han? Yeah. With a very obscure thing from the original trilogy that barely anybody ever noticed. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a question later on, and I think it's something we'll we'll probably get into uh, with the other question. But the force seems to do whatever people want it to do, and uh, we we can get into that a little bit deeper. Uh, next question is from Matt Nickel, uh, Jen's husband. Uh, so he's asking who was Snoke, which I guess we sort of already sort of answered. Yeah, we we don't. There's no answer to that if we ever get one. Yeah, hopefully they flesh him out in some sort of expanded universe, canon, novel, comic, something that gives it. Like, if people want to know the backstory, I think hopefully they'll give it to us eventually. Uh, but I think, I guess, for the sake of this story, it doesn't really matter. And, Matt, there is an entire episode where me, Brian, and Ian talk about who Snoke might be. Which you can refer back to from a while ago. I'm pretty ago. sure we debunk every single one of those we theories. Did. But we did talk about <laughs> possibilities. Uh, and HUD consent laws. So that's yes, the thing. those came up too. Uh, his, his other question. Is there a limit on materializing as a force ghost since Yoda died 30 or so years ago and showed up as sassy as ever? What does he mean by a limit? Because when he said limit, I was going to wonder if you meant the lightning that he's able to project into the tree. Which I didn't know Force Ghosts could do. Um, yeah, I guess there's. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, you know, are Force Ghosts able to manipulate real world stuff like that? Or you could you could maybe even interpret this question as um, like how long before someone's dead? Dead. Like if Yoda died thirty some years ago, does that mean you can still show up as a Force Ghost forty years after you're dead? Or? I think it probably depends on the the Force users. Because, like, why aren't we with... seeing Ben Kenobi there? Because Yoda was more powerful in the Force than Ben was. So it's just strictly Force I power? I think it's a Force power thing. I think it's a we don't have Alec Guinness to, believe... to be filmed anymore thing. But <laughs> yeah, could, but they, they could have easily used... got Ewan McGregor. Yeah. And Hayden Christensen. Uh... I, uh, you know what, though? I honestly think having Hayden back just to show up as an Anakin Skywalker Force ghost would be really cool. I think Even if it's just to cheese it at the end of the third film again, for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I think if you're going to put him in as a Force ghost, you have to give him some sort of line of dialogue. Like, in that moment, Luke is terrified about what Ben is going to become, and he could talk to his father, who came, who became that thing. Like, that would have been a really cool aspect of this movie. It's, you know, missed opportunity, but... Yeah. And, you know... Luke has talked to Force Ghost Ben before. It doesn't seem like he's ever really talked to Force Ghost Yoda. You're even just their little lines of dialogue. You're led to believe that they haven't spoken or seen each other since Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Oh, 
I I think that's an interesting question, and I don't think there's an answer that we'll ever get to it. Like, I, I don't think we'll ever get an answer to how long can a Force ghost stick around for after the person's died. Because that was something they did touch on in Expanded Universe novels back in the old canon. Like, Luke was seeing Ben for a while, Ben would show up and give him advice, and then it started getting to, like, five, ten years after, and Ben finally came up and, and told him in one of the one of their vi- one of his visions or whatever, like, I'm getting to the point where I can't hold this, I'm finally passing on, this is the last time you're going to talk to me, we'll, we'll see you in the next life type of thing. So, again, that was the old canon, people can write however they want to, so, but, yeah, more to Andy's point, it could just be based on Yoda's just a badass and was one of the, if not the, most powerful Jedi that they've had, at least that we've seen in the movies. True. So, based on power level, yeah, Yoda's gotta be the one to just show up whenever the fuck he wants Maybe to. it's based on lifespan of the person. Yoda lived for 900 and some odd years, so... That could be, too. Even if it's just a fraction of his lifespan, it still lasts for another 50 years. Yeah. Um, Alright, the next question all uh is actually from leslie yoders who was on the uh the car conversation that i put up at the beginning of the in in there she cameoed in that so she gave us a question which all sort of it's a couple questions but they all revolve around maz's quick scene so what's the deal with maz did we need her cameo how does she know poe and who the hell is she fighting no we didn't need the cameo i have no idea how the hell she knows poe um, <laughs> and a, a union dispute of some sort is what she says, which I'll see. I, th- I kind of, honestly, I kind of thought, and maybe she did say that and I just didn't even think about it, but I was thinking since this takes so quickly after say like the movie takes place so quickly after, uh, force awakens that she was still fending off like first order troopers at her castle. And with how decimated things were around the castle, how much of it's really left for her to be there. Yeah. Or maybe she's not even at the castle. That could be too. It's really unclear from that hologram. I I don't know the purpose of that, other than to just have, like, I'm completely lost on it. Yeah, it just seemed like they needed a Maz cameo. Andy, do you have anything for this one? No. (laughs) 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 I don't don't know. I have no idea. I, I, I... Figure that's something that they're going to have to either give us something on or just keep us completely in the dark on. Yeah, it was for the most part unnecessary. I think they just they needed a contact. So I mean, that could even been a Lando thing too. They could have thrown Lando in as the guy to know the the code breaker and something like that. But yeah, I think it was just like, hey, we had this character from Force Awakens. We don't have a place for in this movie. Let's just throw her in right there. Yeah. Um, how does she know Poe? I don't. There, I mean, there is an ongoing Poe Dameron comic, so for all... I haven't kept up with it, so for all I know, they cross paths in the comic. Um, It's also... Like, I'm also pretty sure Poe is uh pretty tight with Han and Leia. Han knows Maz, so that could have been where where he got a connection like that. Um, And I'm unclear who she's fighting. So in The Force Awakens, when, when Poe takes his X-Wing squadron and comes to the rescue of Moss's place. Yes. Who calls them in? Uh, right after Han and Finn and Ray and BBH show up at Moss's, uh, 
two people you're seeing really quickly recognize BB-8 as the droid that everyone's looking for. One person calls the Resistance, one person calls the First Order. Okay. First Order gets there first, and then the Resistance finally it shows up. It wouldn't be the First Order if they didn't get there first. Hey, uh... <laughs> Um, and this is, okay, so one thing about the mass thing, and I made this comment when I saw it too, and I don't know if it's just me reaching or not, but I feel like it might be a fun Easter egg if I'm correct. And if you see the movie again, take a closer look at it and see if you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. But Maz's rocket pack, to me, looked eerily similar to the rocket pack from the Rocketeer. And I don't know if they designed it that way just to be like, hey, look, it's a fun little Easter egg. Like, it looks like the Rocketeer rocket pack. I don't know that it was the Rocketeer rocket pack. I didn't really notice that, but I could see it definitely being one of the Battlefront rocket packs. And that's, yeah, now that they put rocket packs in Battlefront, it probably looks similar to that. But to me, immediately, I was like, oh, Rocketeer. So I don't know if I'm reaching uh, for anyone out there that that has seen the movie or, or knows that scene fairly well, or you go see it again, let me know if I'm even close. Or maybe I'm just making this up. Well, still know. screens of it someday. Yeah, right. We'll get there. Um, all right, next question from Sarah Zorch, Josh's wife. Uh, she has also been on the podcast, too, once or twice, I think. I can't remember how many. I know she's been on at least once. Hi, Sarah. Uh, her question, how is Leia not dead after being blown out into space? And this is the one where I feel like we're going to dive into a Force discussion, because Force use in this movie seems like it's kind of just whatever people want it to do. Um, first thing I'll say is, it, it was neat for them to include Leia being able, in a life-or-death situation, to pull out some use of the Force. That was a nice addition, but it did not have to look so much like Mary Poppins. It looked and I didn't terrible. see that at first. I, I did not care for that scene until I, I read that it. it. Happened, but I just I, I thought I just thought it, it was like the most fake thing that I could watch at that moment. <laughs> yeah. Until I read after the fact that it looked like Mary Poppins. Now I can't unsee yeah. that. <laughs> exactly. It, it. I don't know. Like they they needed to film that differently in some way. Yes, I, I absolutely agree. I think my biggest hang-up is just that, like, they, they need to establish some sort of boundaries or limits as to what the Force can do. Like, Luke uses the Force and it kills him, and then Leia can somehow defy death with it, so where's where's the medium here? It's a good point. Because um... I know they're, like, back in the old Expanded Universe stuff, they, like, depending on the author... Luke's force abilities were either very, very outlandish. Like, I vividly remember him crashing an X-Wing somewhere, jettisoning, like, ejecting out of the cockpit of the X-Men, X-Men, X-Wing, as it's crashing to the planet, like, way out in the atmosphere somewhere, and basically using the force to slow him down and land without a parachute. That happened in a book. So, it's just like, depending on the creative person behind what these force powers do, they do whatever they need them to do in the point of the plot. Yes. Eventually, there's an author that takes those storylines and sort of like funnels them into somewhere and basically starts to tell Luke, like what you've been doing with the force, you shouldn't be doing that. That's leading you down a dark path. You need to rein it in and stop being really fantastical with all these abilities. And he wises up and he gets better at it there. I I just don't know again, where the medium is with these abilities. And to that end, I mean, Darth Bane in one of the books jumps from a planet into orbit and onto its moon. 
Yeah, like shit like yeah, that. Yeah, like, it, what is the limit? <laughs> you know, and I think part of the idea they were going for here, like, she's doing much there, but surviving by pulling herself in. Um, because... But, like, I always thought, like, exposure to space was instantaneous death. Like, there's no time to think you are dead as soon as you're, um, you hit space. I don't know the answer to that question. But we also aren't living in the same galaxy we live in now, or presumably even the same universe that we live in with the same laws of physics. Uh, true, yeah, I guess, it, it but should I, I just assumed space but is space. It, I don't know. I really don't know how they... they it, that, that scene should not have happened, in my opinion. Because, like, I don't know if she dies and brings herself back to life, or if she somehow protects us, protects her spell, herself as she gets sucked out into space. Like, to me, it would make more sense if, like, the co- the cockpit of the ship blows out, and almost, like, she's still there, and you see sort of, like, hints of, like, an, an invisible force bubble or shield. I would buy she that. She does look like she's glowing. I think that's See, supposed just, to be her freezing. Right. I thought that was the, the coldness of space freezing her to death. Like, I, I always th- I think back to, like, Guardians of the Galaxy when Star-Lord goes out in space without a mask on. And you see him start to freeze over. Now, they explain I, it away in that movie is that there's implants in your body that, that slow the death process. So that's why he's able to survive. Well, I We're thought he was able s- to survive because he's half god. Well, I mean, that that could be explained away, too, but... That was before we knew he was half god. Yeah. Um, but in this one, like, sure, Leia can use the Force, but she's still just a person. She's still just a human. So there shouldn't be any like extra said, things that delay her death like that. I saw no reason for that scene to take place. Um, Like, the entire thing. Like, the TIE fighters did not need to blow that open. There was no need for that. Because if Kylo's not pulling the trigger, it's irrelevant that the trigger doesn't get pulled. All that matters is that the trigger doesn't get pulled by him. I Them actually, blowing it. I actually half expected Kylo to blow those guy, those Tie Fighters out of the sky after yeah. they shot that cockpit. Give them a nice reaming after trying to take out his mom. No, just just that, fuck them. Just blow them up. You're dead. Yeah, yeah I did too. I, I thought it was coming from the look on his face. It was kind of like I think he might do something here, but I just don't see it serving a purpose, and I feel like it creates a really bad scenario with having to have Leia use the Force, and you know, like, they could have hit somewhere else on the ship, and Leia bangs her head, and gets put into the med bay, and Holdo takes over, and that's how you have Holdo go in. Yeah. You know, it just make it such that Kylo doesn't pull the trigger, Leia's incapacitated, that's all you needed out of that scene. Because let's face it, Admiral Akbar was not playing that much of a role in this movie to make sure we noted that he's dead now. Yeah, and he goes out in that scene too, and then we never hear from him again, so that's kind of sad that they kill off another major character like that. Yeah. And that was the other thing too, is like, when that scene happens, she gets sucked out into space, and I'm like, is that how she's gonna go? Like, because the, they just move on really quickly from that scene... And I'm thinking, if that's going to be Carrie Fisher's last thing, like they have to dwell on that, and the, the, they just kept going. And that's why I honestly thought they were doing when they showed her floating into space, was giving some kind of closure weight to it. Yeah, which 
honestly, I'll get to a point I definitely planned on making, because for the love of God, after Carrie Fisher died, could they not have just had her sacrifice herself with the ship, as opposed to Holdo? Yeah. Could we not have edited that to be her going out that way? Because that would have been a fitting end. To sacrifice herself for the Resistance and maybe the coolest scene they've had in a Star Wars movie ever. Well, this is something I know that I, I had seen that a variation of that question asked to Ryan Johnson, and he had said they thought about reshooting some stuff, and and I think he almost made it seem like they, they were looking at, like, okay, she gets sucked into space, what if we just let her die there? But they had already shot the movie as a whole, so they are trying to figure out where to cut and what to piece together, and... And I agree with him, is that the points later on in the movie, the interactions that she has with certain characters, specifically like Luke, when he shows up in that last battle, had she died before that, you don't get that. And that's something that I really enjoyed seeing in this movie. And that, to me, played more of a poignant goodbye, seeing the two of them together, than just having her sacrifice herself on a ship. True. I'll give you that. I just think now he kind of hamstrung... J.J. Abrams into starting the next movie with a funeral? Yeah. I, I think there needs to be some sort of time jump between this movie and the next movie. And you could explain it in a way that Leia just passed on. I don't think that that's a fitting send-off, though, is it? There's nothing else you can do. Either you write her off that she goes off on her own, you know, lives happily ever, quote-unquote, happily ever after somewhere... Or you kill her off screen. I think those are your two options. You can't well, get any I, new footage from her. No, I'm not saying new footage, but I'm saying a grand funeral to open the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know. I mean, something I, along those lines. Like, oh, they they say that Leia has passed. We have a grand funeral happening, and that's the opening shot of the Resistance. Yeah, I could see that. I'd I'd be okay with that. Yeah, that'd be a good opening to mine. All right, well, at this point, before we get too moving, we're going to let Andy roll out. So, Andy, it's been fun. Mike and I will try to uh, finish this off as best we can without you. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It was fun. Sure thing. All right, Andy. All right, so we let Andy roll. He had, he had other obligations. Uh, Mike and I are going to stick this out and try to do his justice uh, by ourselves. Um, and we're the ones that seem to talk a lot, so this could end up being very long of a show. So hopefully you're still going to stick with us. Uh, we have one more person's questions or, or maybe observations slash questions to get through. Uh, these are from uh, frequent guest Josh Zorich of the show. Hi, Josh. Uh, so he threw a couple things out on Facebook. Some of them I feel like are observations. Some are questions. Uh, first one, the mission Finn and Rose turns out to be pretty pointless. It barely even serves as a plot device for other events. That Again, it's not really a question. I guess it's more of an observation. I I feel like we sort of mentioned this earlier, is like the whole second act is all about failures. So, yes, they don't accomplish anything, but I feel like it's not meant to. Like, overall, looking at everyone else who's failed. Like, even Poe's side story of the mutiny and everything like that. Like, he, he fails at that right around the same time that Finn and Rose fail. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll still stick with... The idea that it's part of what fuels the coming resistance, the growing resistance within the young generation. And yeah, you, and can, you can spin it that way too. Because I feel like I, part of me even thinks like Rose and Finn's thing lends more to Poe's arc than their own. Because I feel like 
even in the midst of his mutiny, he's ready to stand there and fight for what he believes in as, as you know, taking over control of the ship. And he's on the radio with Finn and Rose as they get captured. And the realization of, like, they failed their mission, they didn't make it, like, almost kicks him into gear. It's like, I gotta stop sending people to their deaths. I think that's part of it. And let's also remember that their whole plot line ends up in the First Order knowing where to shoot at the right. escape pods. Without yeah. that whole plot line, we don't end up with the First Order going and being able to handle them on crate before they can make communications. Yeah. Um, Alright, his next thing, uh, he wished the Finn-Phasma fight was much, much longer. Which, we already addressed that one, I think, too. Uh, oh, we actually just talked about this, too. Pose mutiny was unnecessary. It did not advance anything. Um, it, it, plot-wise, again, yeah, I guess the second act gets bogged down in a lot of failed attempts at things. I, I do think the mutiny serves more for, maybe not advancing the plot, but more specifically for Poe's arc. He has to respect chain of command, he has to become that leader and realize you can't just impulsively do a bunch of stuff and it's gonna work out. Like, that's, yes. that's a hard lesson for him to learn, and it takes him a while well, it's also because, you know, right after Leia tells him not to blow stuff up, she also then, shortly thereafter, he's like, oh, so go blow stuff up? Yeah. yeah go blow stuff up. Well, I love what, like, when Rose and Finn are trying to tell him their plan, and he's like, okay, so we blow that up, and I like where your head's at, but no. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, that was <laughs> that, good that, to me. Yeah. Uh, all right, why didn't Admiral Holdo fuck up Snoke's ship earlier? She ought to resign herself to dying on her own ship. More to your point, the First Order does not know, like, they, in the larger scheme of the movie, yeah, it seems like she should, as soon as she was the last one on that ship, she should just turn and point at the ship at Snoke's and let her rip. But their ruse relied on no one knowing that those littler ships were leaving her ship, which the only reason they learned that is because of Benicio Del Toro telling them that. Yes. So, had their they, plan followed what it was supposed to do, they would have been scot-free. They would have still been concentrating fire on the big ship, which she was piloting, and the little ships would have been gone to crate, and no one would be the wiser. I think the better question to ask in that area is, why didn't the other ships that were failing and sending all the rest of their passengers to that main ship not do the same thing, instead of just going out by being shot to death... Why not send their passengers out earlier and use that last remaining bit of fuel as a jump to hyperspace through that ship, through Snoke's ship? Yeah, I don't know. Unless that those ships just wouldn't have been big enough to do anything. I don't. I don't, I don't know. know. At light at light speed, I think they're doing some damage. Yeah. Rather than just being shot out of the air, if they like, if they obviously Holdo knows that's possible and she's in charge at the time because she does it later. Why not instruct them? You know, it's hard to tell somebody to sacrifice themselves. Yeah, I think that's... They're sacrificing themselves anyways by staying on the ship and being shot to death. I think that's more the point. I think it's she doesn't want to order anyone to their deaths. She's trying very hard not to do that the entire time. But if it's her decision for her life, that's different. True. Now, now should one of the other ships, captains of those ships, those two other escorts that blow up, had one of them had the balls to just turn around and fire at the ship, like, sure, that could have happened, but... It wouldn't have further... It, it's a it's a thing where 
if the first one does that and tears that ship apart, the movie doesn't move forward. <laughs> right. Same yeah. Case. It's. I mean, you could ask the same question of wouldn't if they diverted all the fuel from the main ship into one of the smaller ships, they could have lasted a hell of a lot longer and presumably got really far away. Well, I've seen I've actually seen this argument online and somebody I actually work with uh, pointed this out to me and, and I, I really didn't have an argument for him. But again, with like the force powers, like Kylo is throwing Hux around the room with the force and then you're led to believe when him and Ray fight the guards that one when they finally get to one on one fights, they get bested by a guard like they couldn't just be throwing force throwing these guys around the room. Yeah, they didn't use the force in that fight, and that kind of threw me off a little bit. But these were supposed to be the best trained, you know, I mean, the absolute best warriors outside of force users that they could find. So them holding up in a lightsaber battle against them is perfectly fine. Ray not doing it, I'm fine with, because it's she's not as adept at using her powers in a focused manner all the time. Kylo, however, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. So But it again, there's no cool logical reason fight. why they're not why they're not throwing people around other than like what you said, it's an awesome fight. So you want that lightsaber fight, then they can't be using the force all over the place willy nilly like they like 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 they could do. It just makes for for a more interesting thing to watch, I guess. I also don't think that Kylo has had to battle anyone of anywhere near equal ability before to have to use the Force instead of just the lightsaber. The and only was person the ever was Rey that bested him, and now she's on his side, so he's not taking them. And that was seriously. something I think they addressed in in Force Awakens too. Is he's he's not the best hand to hand combatant, right? Even even Finn gets a hit on him, which well, then again, he was toying with Finn, I think so. Yeah, one was, slip through. He was toying with Finn, and then he was toying with Ray until the end, when she got the better of him. I don't think he was toying with her. I think he was. Well, and not, let's not forget, he was also injured the whole time. Yeah, from the bowcaster. So yeah, I mean that that can be explained away from the injury because that bowcaster destroys everybody else that it hits. It hits Kylo. It injures him, and he, you know, he's. Already bleeding out a little bit. It seems. See, we're getting scene. sidetracked, but I do think that uh, that moment in Force Awakens when he's when he's blasted, and he, I think he's using that pain to fuel himself in that fight. Yes, that's why he's hitting himself. Yeah, it, like he's so using it, but he's not as physically adept, or is keeping him going. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, but but in this specific fight scene. I think it was merely a, this is going to be a cool-ass fight scene, and if we have them use the Force here, obviously they just wreck these dudes, because, let's face it, Palpatine's yeah. guards, Yoda walks in the room, waves his hand, and they're done. Yoda doesn't yeah. even look at them. So so as much as it, it could be fun just to see them wipe the floor with these people, I think the, the fight that we got in this movie with the two of them and the guards, I loved every second of that. So I'm, I will respect that creative decision not to have them use the force powers there. If we get a cool ass fight from it. And not to mention that whole scene is also keeping you on the edge of your seat as to what's going to happen when it ends. Because yeah. is Ray going to join him? Is he going to turn to the light? What's going to happen when this scene is over? And still, it may be one of, if not the best lightsaber kill 
ever when she throws the lightsaber oh, yeah. to him and just turns it on and dead. That yeah. was that was just awesome. That was well thought out as an idea for a way to have somebody get killed. That was pretty cool. Well, how much did you think when the Porgs find the lightsaber off on the side of the hill, oh, one looking down the down the nose of it, that it would just accidentally ignite and kill one? I thought it was going to happen. That would have been <laughs> so great. Like I thought it was going to be hopping on it because it's hopping right near the trigger on his lightsaber. And yeah, it's all oh, do it, do it. <laughs> Doesn't happen. It was a letdown, but it would have been. That's great. another one where I feel like it plays with your anticipation of like this is going to be bad, and then it just it doesn't pay off in that way. I feel like if this was 20th Century Fox and not Disney, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> but because it's Disney, I, I, I like part of me was like, Disney wouldn't do that to a porg. But then later yeah, they, you see Chewbacca with a little friggin' roasted porg. That was great, too. Oh, that was... Honestly, they, I, I don't see how anybody could hate on the porgs in this movie. <laughs> they were used sparingly. They were there. And when they used them, it was just a hilarious scene between Chewie and them. I yeah, he's more that. annoyed than anything with them. Yeah. And I feel like that's could lead to a little bit of a throwback to the original Knights of the Old Republic, where you have these weird frog-like creatures infesting your ship. Uh, and yeah. it's like a side okay. quest to get them off of your ship in the game, and I could totally see the Porgs infesting the Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> it, that would be awesome. Yeah. Uh... All right, another observation from Josh: the silent sequence of moments when Holdo finally split her split the ship in half was a badass choice. Uh, yeah, I think that every screening I've seen when that when she fires it into light speed into the ship and it's silenced for like five seconds, you can hear like audible gasps from people oh, just yeah. watching that sequence. It was jarring. You weren't yeah. expecting it. You were expecting to see something cool, but that was just like whoa. They yeah. did a really awesome job putting that together. Um, his last one, and I was still confused by this, and I'm, I'm still kind of confused by this. I try to get some clarification. I can't tell if this is just a sarcastic comment or, or an actual question. Um, <laughs> he's asking, so Luke Skywalker was in the other movies too? I, I said the short answer is yes, and he said, okay, that's fine. That's cool. I, I don't know what he's getting at there. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> I have no idea what to do with that, Josh. Um, <laughs> you have stumped us. You have stumped us as to what? I mean, if that's a legit question, like, because I know he, like, he's he's a casual fan. He doesn't maybe he hasn't seen those movies in a while. So, yes, Luke Skywalker was in the other movies. Okay. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> we're d- all right. So we're done with the the questions we got from from listeners and and friends of mine. So. Uh, I have my own questions that maybe we can just start rattling through and we'll see where these go. Um, if we want to, now might might be a good a time as any, even though we talked about some of these already. Uh, what do we think about some of the new characters? Specifically, Laura Dern, Admiral Holdo, uh, Kenny, uh, what is it, Kelly Marie Chan is Rose, mm-hmm. and Benicio Del Toro's DJ. Those are the only really new characters I could think of. Am I missing anybody else? They're the only really new ones of significance. Okay. Um, so what do we think about those three? Um, all right, I'll go in the order you went. So, Holdo. Um, I, I have nothing wrong with the character. I thought... 
I feel like the sacrifice at the end would have felt more significant had we formed more of a bond with this character in The Force Awakens. Had she been a part of the plot there, it may have felt like we're losing somebody when yeah. she goes to do that because it, it didn't, it, it was an awesome thing to see her sacrifice herself and all that awesome scene, all everything. But I didn't feel like the series lost anything when she did that. Like when Finn is attempting to do the same thing on crate, you're like, holy shit, are they actually going to let Finn die in this movie? Yeah. And it gets to the point where there's like a point of no return before Rose saves him. And you actually think he's going to sacrifice himself and you're actually starting the f on your first viewing to say, what the hell? If they like, I really, this is about to happen when it's Holdo, you're just kind of like, okay, so she's going to destroy that ship. Yeah. There was no question in my mind whether she was going to turn away or something else was going to happen. It wasn't affecting me emotionally to know she was about to be out of the series. Wasn't the same answer with Finn. Finn, that was an emotional response to, is he really about to do this? Yeah. Um, the character herself, I thought was an excellent character that I would have liked to have seen more of. Um, she was... It, like, honestly, when they introduced her, I thought she was going to be the new placeholder of Leia's spot. Since we knew okay. that, you know, we it, it, we know Carrie Fisher passed and that role was going to need to be filled. And we don't know who's going to fill that role in the next movie. I think it's pretty clear who's going to fill that role in the next movie. You think they're just going to hand it to Poe? Yeah. Okay. I have no problem with them doing it, but I don't feel like Poe's that, like character i think i think there was a literal passing of the torch when he says follow me and she looks around and says what are you doing follow him that was the leadership change right there okay i can see that i i just i i think she would have been cool to have around longer that would be the most i would say um, yeah i agree i i i liked her she served her purpose i liked that she i, I liked that she has the attitude like leia and she just put Poe in his place. Like, she doesn't give a shit who you are. And, and she's going to make sure you, you know what you're doing. And Well, not... I guess her withholding information, you know, they're not letting... She's not letting you know what, what is going on and what they're doing. But that was more a point to for Poe to understand chain of command. And this is need to know. You don't need to know. Um, you go do your flyboy shit. I don't care. Um, And, you know, she, it's hard. Laura Dern can act so she did very well i think in the role the, but yeah. yeah the character i think would have been nice because especially because you figure they're coming off of the resistance base that was at the end of the force awakens she what's her rank like an admiral or vice admiral vice admiral yeah so she's got to be high up and she was nowhere near or involved in the the plan to kill star killer base around the, the holographic table yeah you'd think if she is that high up in the ranking she would have been present there so that's a little bit of a missed opportunity yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, uh, what about Rose? Yeah. Rose, I think, is an excellent addition to the new main cast of characters. Um, you know, the I can't say enough about how well she did with the character. Mm. Um, because she's supposed to be that kind of, she almost seems at the beginning like a resistance groupie, you know, like, 
Yeah. She's so impressed by Finn, and by the end she realizes I'm just as much a part of this and winning this battle as everyone. Yeah. And I'm hoping that her character turns out to be okay, presumably since she's carried away and everything happens. I don't see them killing her off in between films for no reason. Like, she was carried away healthy. Alive, not healthy. But, (laughs) um, I, 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 part of me, like, still wishes she hadn't saved Finn. Just for the weight that sacrifice may have given to the final chapter of the film. Yeah. Um, not, not to do with her character though, but her character specifically, I thought was very well done, very well thought out, even if, you know, like everybody thinks the plot to their story was not as meaningful as the rest. I'm hoping she plays a nice big role in the last film as well. Yeah. I mean, gripes that I have aside about her and Finn's storyline and what they accomplish and what all, all that stuff. Her as a character and, and actress and stuff, I think she did really well. Um, it, it does seem like she is a fun character. And I did like, as forced as it may feel, as far as like their romance or whatever they're they're trying to get to, after she saves Finn and her line of like, this is how we win, not killing what we hate or, or fighting what we hate, but saving what we love, like that line is great. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a huge theme that they wanted to push. Yeah. And... That was a heartfelt moment that it needed at that point. Amidst all the chaos going on around them, the thing blasting the door open, and she's calm enough to sit there and tell Finn something so powerful at that moment. Yeah. I think that was very well done. Um, Just sidetracking, since we keep beating around the bush a little bit, did you think Finn was going to die at that moment? Watching the first, I was kind of in disbelief. The first viewing, it was just disbelief on my part, like, wow, they really took some chances with this one if they're going to kill him off here. Holy shit. And it was a surprise when he got saved. Like, I didn't, like, they played it up to a point of tension where you kind of felt like, okay, if this was going to happen, it would have already happened. Yeah. By the end of it. But when it started and he was about to sacrifice himself, I saw it happening. Yeah. And then the longer the scene dragged on, it was kind of like, okay, he's going to find a way out of this. Something's going to change. Chewie's going to come back around or something and blow it up. I I don't know. Like, it, Yeah, see, right into the end, I thought he was going. I First viewing, I really thought he was going to go. I thought, because at that point, like, that is the end of his arc. Like, he stopped running. He finally stood up for what he was believing in and, and felt like he needed to, to go after these people and, and save save his friends, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like that would have been the way for him to go is, is fulfilling that arc and saving his friends and all that good stuff. And then of course, immediately right after I thought, Oh, he's going to die. And then I thought, Oh, we're going to hear about the internet and talking about, Oh, they had to kill the black guy. <laughs> like, I really well, thought that was going to be the internet reaction to that. I, my, like, I think the thing that reeled me back in, I, like, I remember, I can't remember if it was like the first viewing or second viewing that I had the thought. But I want to say, like, I had the thought that if he blows that thing up, the explosion from it would probably have been big enough to blow up Kylo's ship, too, which was not far above that Yeah, uh, that's true, yeah. And it was thinking, like, mm, that would just, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, what kind of explosion? We don't know what kind of power that thing actually has, because it's yeah. a miniaturized Death Star thing. 
how much miniature, though? You know, is this thing capable of blowing up a huge building? You know, like, all we know is it's capable of blowing a hole in the door. Yeah, well, they said, like, miniaturized Death Star tech or whatever. So you're thinking, like, oh, it's a portable laser. It doesn't fire like the Death Star laser. It doesn't cause an explosion. It just heats through metal like yeah. a drill. Yeah, that, that that's what confused me. Because, like, when he was going to sacrifice himself, I'm thinking if he doesn't do this, they're blowing that mountain up. Yeah. Like, that's that was my thought going through my head. Like, they're going to blow that whole damn thing up, not just a hole in the door. Yeah. They're just going to tear the place down. So I'm thinking he's sacrificing himself literally to save their lives, whereas he was maybe sacrificing himself to save them some time. Yeah. Um, okay, back around. Uh, last one, Benicio Del Toro in DJ. I thought he did an extremely good job with the character. Um, it's Benicio Del Toro. He's an excellent actor. And, you know, I mean, the, like, his ability, like, I, the stutter, I thought, was a great addition to, yeah. like, he did that so well that it, it worked. The character as a whole, I don't really love it or hate it. Um, like I said, he, as good a job as he did, I, he didn't really sell me on hoping to see the character again. Or, okay. you know, like. I won't be upset if he shows up again. I won't be heartbroken if he doesn't. So, yeah, I guess I I I did like what he did in the movie. I did like his his portrayal of the character. I don't like. I feel like they wouldn't put him in this movie if they aren't going to use him later. So I kind of feel like he should show up later. But I don't see his attitude changing. So I just feel like if he shows up later, he's just going to screw everybody over again. So I don't know if you'd put him in the movie just to do exactly the same thing again. Yeah. I mean, unless something happens where we find out he has, he's actually had a change of heart, but I don't know the way they set him up in the movie that it, it he's going to play both sides regardless. So, I mean, I can't say specifically from my own experience because you know it it came out so much longer. I was you know it had been out for so long by the time I actually seen Jedi. But what was there any sneaking suspicion in people about Lando going into Jedi? Even though he had helped them once, he had betrayed them once as well, you know, I don't know if that was there or not, because... That's like a good I said, point. I actually don't know. Well, yeah, I was too young for that, too, so I don't I don't know. Yeah, that, that, I'd have to find an older super fan and ask them <laughs> how they felt about that. Um, Alright, so one other thing we sort of touched on. Uh, I'll just address it now. Uh, what is your opinion on the Porgs? Were they were they too much in the movie? Were they used enough? I had no problem with the Porgs. I I, I, don't, I didn't see any issue with them being too prevalent. They didn't do anything. They were just kind of there. Yeah, Disney put them into sell fucking plush toys. Who gives a <laughs> shit? You know, like the scene with Chewbacca and the Porgs where he's going to eat one and he doesn't. I thought that was perfectly fine. That was hilarious, the the way they could make them look. Okay, cool. Um Yeah, I don't think they overused them at all, so I think they were they were used to the right amount. Yeah. They, I didn't think it was too much, I don't think it was it was overkill. Yeah, I agree. They I, I thought it was cool to find out that they could fly. Because I you know, going into the movie I didn't know that they were gonna be yeah, able yeah. to fly. That was a little neat addition. Um, um one other thing I've seen that was maybe sort of a complaint from some people is the, the use of BB-8. That can he, you know, he can basically do whatever he wants now. Seems like he's another he's another plot device. What do they need to do? I'll oh, just give it to BB-8 to do. 
he's a droid. I mean, my, yeah, my sort of to? argument is that if if freaking R two D two suddenly gets rocket jets out of nowhere, then BB eight can do whatever the fuck he wants to. Yeah, R two, like, just kick the shit out of a couple super battle droids. In, yeah, in, in that Revenge that sequence Fifth. like still kind of bugs me, but whatever, <laughs> yeah, I, but I'll forgive it. It's still there, though. Whether it bugs you or not, it's there. So it's. Is it on par with BB-8 controlling an ATSD? Which one do you feel like is more outrageous? R2 single-handedly taking out two super battle droids, or I think that's more outrageous than controlling <laughs> an ATSD because it, that's just a computer interfacing with a computer. You know, like all right, yeah. You know, if R2 can control an elevator or open a door, why can't he fire a gun on a? You know, if there's a if there's a port to stick his little, you know, yeah, watch it. <laughs> if there's a port for that, he, he can uh, he can control it. So if there's a presumably a port for that on an ATST for whatever type of thing that BB-8 uses to stick in things that we haven't really seen, he has those little plugs that he tries to fix Poe's ship with at the beginning. I mean, he's but, a Swiss Army enough of droids. He just has whatever oh, yeah. whatever he needs out of there. Yeah, he has a little butane lighter thumbs up in Force Awakens. Why not? <clears throat> he has a, a literal slot for coins to just fling at people. Like, I don't, why is that necessary? But he but he has it. I feel like that wasn't a slot for coins that he was shooting it out of. I feel like he utilized something else to pop the coins out it, of. Yeah, but it seemed pretty li- like it worked pretty well for just shooting coins at people. So sure, I wonder what the actual use for that thing is. Who the hell knows? I thought yeah, it was cool I'd... that they finally showed that his head can come off, and he can just uh, reattach yeah, yeah. it. That was a nice. It's thing just to like show. the little Sphera thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that 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 touched on to me what was one of the, I think, best scenes as a Star Wars fan to watch was Poe taking down all the guns on the top of the dreadnought. That was honestly the first time in a Star Wars film I felt like you could feel the person controlling the ship. Yeah. When he pulls the bank to turn around, yeah, you can actually feel him do that when you're watching the film. I don't feel like that's ever happened in a movie in one of the Star Wars films before. Yeah. I do th- that opening sequence I think is probably one of the best opening sequences for a Star Wars movie. Oh, it's one of the best space battles I thought. It like the bombers coming in. And yeah. yeah. I thought that was just gold to open that movie. Like, that opening of the movie, I was even more hyped after that first 10, <laughs> ten minutes of the movie for what the rest of the movie was going to be. Like, I was instantly sold, like, oh, this is going to be fucking awesome. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I just, once again, solidifies Poe is even better than anybody else we've seen pilot a Starfighter. Which yeah, and if you've just, just sidetracking a little bit, but if you've played uh, Star Wars Battlefront Two, uh, they have a I think I think it was the newest uh, story mission that they added to the game, Resurrection. Um, sort of figures out it, it hints at the Dreadnought. Did you play that at all yet? No, I haven't played the new story missions yet. I... Shit, I don't know if you want me to spoil that for you. I, I'm gonna play them very soon. I'm sure. But okay, there. Yeah, there's, there's a mission where they they stumble upon. It, it takes place like the resurrection added story campaign 
takes place. It coincides with the Force Awakens movie. Mm-hmm. Like you, you see through the the atmosphere of space, like Starkiller Base firing and destroying the Republic. Oh, okay. I know. I've seen the things with an older Iden. I yeah. Just hadn't... So by the end of it, they realize that the the First Order is not just destroyed with Starkiller Base. That they have fleets everywhere, and one of the biggest flagships of their fleets is this big dreadnought. Okay. And that's when they try to warn the resistance about that, and then you see the dreadnought show up in the opening of this movie. So that was a fun little uh, tie in there. Yeah, and it, I mean that was something I felt like after this movie needed to be touched on at the vastly improved resources that the First Order has compared to the Empire. Um. Uh, yeah. Because we see not one, but two ships in this movie that absolutely dwarf Star Destroyers. I mean, yeah. Snoke's ship, I think, in scale, would probably come close to the size of a Death Star. Yeah, just flat and not a big ball. Right, yeah, obviously it doesn't take up the same total space, but yeah. damn close. And the Dreadnought, kind of the same thing. It dwarfs the Star Destroyers. Yeah. I mean, it, it. yeah, like the Super Star Destroyer was much bigger than the Star Destroyers, but it was nothing like that. And evidently that's not the only Dreadnought in the fleet. You know, like he says, we have a chance to take down a Dreadnought, not the Dreadnought. Yeah. So how many of them are out there? And how much shit can you blow up that this thing, you know, the First Order has before they start running out of resources? Because, I mean, part of me at heart even even has an issue with the First Order being able to build Starkiller Base in a 30-year span. Yeah. Like, well, even going back to, like like you mentioned, Bloodline earlier, I think Bloodline does a good job at hinting of, like, the the people that are funding or, or arming the First Order are doing very well to hide this for a while. So for, for all we know, in that entire 30-year gap, they're just amassing resources, waiting for their specific time to take advantage of the galaxy. So I, it, do, it doesn't seem, I guess, as far-fetched to me that they have that much stuff. It, it, it Maybe not, but... To me, it just seems like, how long would it really take to build Starkiller Base? Well, plus, I don't even know if, like, we don't even know if the Empire, like, all their uh, ships and, and materials were all destroyed. For all we know, they inherited a lot of the Empire oh, stuff. Oh, no, yeah, I, I, I absolutely believe they reused a lot of the Star Destroyers and yeah, okay. things like that. They, I just... To me, it's like it just plays in my mind. Starkiller Base, the, these dreadnoughts, Snoke ship, those weren't in existence at the end of the Return of the Jedi. Like they didn't exist. Yeah. And Starkiller Base wasn't in construction by the time Bloodlines happens, where Ben is already with Luke, because the First Order did not have any formal structure at that point. Yeah, I mean it was that a, we know of. There, I think in that book, I think Leia just stumbles across like a the tip of the iceberg. Right, she does, but there's no. They they wouldn't have the ability to build something like Starkiller Base without the army behind them at that point. That's what I mean. Like I think at that point they already have the army. It's just um, they're keeping it so well of a secret that it's not public knowledge. I felt like the army was very split up though. 
Yeah, I think they're they're very sectioned around the galaxy. That's why they are able to stay hidden. Right, and if they're very but sectioned I do think there's across, an are they able to build something like Starkiller Base that much separated? You know what I mean? Like, are they, they would have to have millions of people working to build that thing to get that done in a time frame of even 30 years, I would feel like. It's the size yeah. of a planet. Like, I feel like they turned a planet into that, but they yeah, built yeah. a weapon that is, you know, a large yeah, portion yeah. of that planet. So I don't know. I mean, for all we know, if they ever give a book on, like, Starkiller Base's creation, maybe that's something the Empire was working on and the First Order finished. I, Empire I loves their super that. weapons. I would accept that. Which is also something that a lot of people complained about, speaking of Empire research and construction and all that. A lot of people were complaining about them being tracked through hyperspace. If oh. you pay close attention in Rogue One, Jin mentions coming across hyperspace tracking. Oh, see, I don't even think I remember that. There, There is a line, I, she's like looking through stuff and she mentions something she had, I think, heard from her father about. You know what I mean? Like, that he had spoke of as hyperspace tracking. She mentions it in Rogue One. So, okay. if you're confused by why they suddenly have it, it's not... They didn't make this up for The Last Jedi. This was well thought out, and it was put in with Rogue One. They knew what they were doing. So, you now have to watch Rogue One again. Yeah. Damn, you need... It just sucks <laughs> having to do that, doesn't it? <laughs> I know. I have to watch more Star Wars. Damn! I got it. all these days off. What am I going to do? <laughs> I know. Um, uh, one thing I want to ask you too, just to see where where you fall on this. Uh, how did you feel about the humor in this movie? Because I did feel like this was, at least to me, maybe it was just more obvious, but it felt like a f the funnier, if not the funniest, Star Wars movie. There was more jokes in it. That is for certain. Some of them I thought were great. And some I thought, meh. You know, like, some of them hit home. Like, the one we talked about with Poe, saying, so we should blow that up? Yeah. That was a good one. Um, I thought, you know, Luke absolutely trolling the entire Star Wars fanhood by tossing the lightsaber aside at the beginning of the movie. I thought that was fantastic. I, You know, don't get me wrong, I wanted that to be more of a poignant moment, but when he just looks at it and pitches it over his shoulder, I'm like, I swear oh to God, God, in, in the first viewing... In the first viewing, he hung on to that for so long, and I was about to turn to somebody next to me and say, how funny would it be if he just chucks it over the edge? <laughs> and as I'm turning to say it, he throws it over his shoulder, and I was like, oh my god, he fucking beat me to it. <laughs> it it was, because there was so much build up to that over the last two years of what's going to happen there when, you know, like, yeah, I, I personally, I still remember people reenacting that scene at celebration this year you know like j just standing in the hallway the old guy the one guy that was dressed really good as luke and i had seen at least three different people cosplaying ray walk up to him and do the lightsaber <laughs> thing and it was like you have to wonder if he dressed up like that just to ha be like okay i know what's gonna happen or if he's just like there's another fucking person coming up to me <laughs> handing me a goddamn lightsaber i just want to be here and hang out i just want to look like luke yeah <laughs> stop handing me shit <laughs> I, you know, I don't know, but either way, like, all that build up to that, and then it's just, meh. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was fantastic. That's another one where this movie plays with your expectations just to be like, nope, this isn't what you think. Yep. Um, I thought 
the little like I guess maids on the island. Oh, I the, thought the, the stuff caretakers. with them was hilarious. You know, like when, when she cuts that rock and it th- falls down and kills that person's cart. Yeah. And they just slowly look up at her. <laughs> they look confused and upset at the same time. They're like, it sucks yeah. living on this island now. This girl shows up and everything goes to hell. <laughs> like, Putting holes in walls, breaking rocks. Yeah. Sacred island. And low-key, the best joke in the movie was R2-D2. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. <laughs> that to me that was and Luke just looks at him like that was below the belt you know <laughs> like, or whatever yeah. he says to him at that point I can't recall the exact words he uses but that, that to me was the best joke in the movie because it played on your emotions and made a joke of it right away yeah. it was like wow they're gonna play that again in this movie and you're gonna have to watch Luke see it again all these years later yeah oh man that works and then you know get the joke right on it um, that being said, some of the other jokes, some of them were, I don't know, I didn't like the slapstick jokes, personally, like when Rose stuns Finn, and, you okay. know, like he's trying to wake back up, and they're trying to make it kind of, like, physical comedy yeah, yeah. a little bit with it, eh, I, I, I didn't really care for that, um, the way that Kylo just slaps aside hucks to make it look funny i wasn't a fan of that you know i kind of like that hucks turned into like this bubbling idiot that everyone is just the butt of everyone's jokes oh yeah no I, that i, I kind of like that I, I thought that was good and you know they were still playing the whole one-upsmanship with snoke in this one and you know who can kiss snoke's ass better and who can be the good boy that yeah. gets a pat on the head i thought that was fine poe in the beginning the, the opening joke if you will I thought that was fantastic. You know, so, <laughs> like Hugs since you've seen it rant. a couple of times, is he calling and calling him Hugs? Yeah, H U G S, just to fuck with him, or is it? Or is he trying to say Hugs? I couldn't really tell. I thought I, he was saying Hugs. I feel like he was saying Hugs on purpose. Okay, it, like that to me. That whole sequence, just like, oh, I'll hold for him. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. then he goes on his rant, like this very evil, disturbing rant, and he's like. So, is he there? <laughs> they have that whole, like, long sequence of, can he hear me? Can, yeah. What's going on? It felt like a Verizon commercial all over again. It, it felt like Hux, it, they made him out to be just like Kylo in being so naive. And not knowing yeah. that he was being tooled. I, I felt like that was great. You know, like... See, I even, I even love that look he gives, like, when he's like, oh, he, like, they when Poe... Flies at the Dreadnought, and they're like, oh, he's attacking the Dreadnought. Oh, this guy's insane. And then, like, you see him, from Hux's point of view, blowing up turret after turret after (laughs) turret after turret. And then you see his face just drop. Yeah, he's like... Like, what is happening? He's like, wait, wait, wait. What did I just do? I underestimated my enemy. Damn it, I gotta keep up... Gotta stop that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, I mean, the, the humor for me, I think it, it felt obvious, and I don't know if that was a good thing or a bad thing. I didn't have a problem with the mo- with the jokes, most of the jokes anyway, um, but I don't know. I think the fact that they were obvious and stood out to me more than any other Star Wars movie, I can't tell if I liked it in that respect. I mean, it, I, the other ones I can think of, it, like the little weird alien pumping the coins into BB-8, trying to turn him into a slot machine. Yeah. I know it served a device as a 
device later to have the coin shoot out of BB-8. Right, right. But, eh, wasn't a fan of that. Um, yeah, like, it's, it's any comedy. Nobody hits the mark with every joke. Right, yeah. It's, it's, so, it, it didn't I'm distract me that very, like that much from the movie. I'm still I'm still on board with this movie. It didn't it didn't take away from it for me. So that's sort right. of where I'm at. The only thing in this movie that pulled me out of the film was Leia in space. Yeah, I think it's that, the only that might thing still that might, me out of the film. still might be my I think my biggest hang up too. Oh, definitely. Um, so this was something I sort of thought about after the fact, and I don't know if I'm missing anyone, but I have like three main points here. Uh. Did you feel like that Ryan Johnson came in and just kind of shit on J.J. Abrams' plot points and threads that he set up in Force Awakens? Like, specifically, Snoke seems important? No, he's not. Ray's parents seem important? No, they're not. Even just the costume design for Kylo Ren. It's like that mask was such a big part of his character and what he looked like. Nope, destroy it, break it, we don't need it. Um, I don't. I think this was... I think there was part of all this planned out in between because... whether we want to admit it or not, Ryan Johnson and J.J. Abrams do their thing, and they're good choices of directors, but Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm and the people from Disney, they're having a lot of input into how this stuff goes. You know, I think they're saying, like, I think they're trying to maybe just right the ship and make sure things happen, but as far as, like, plot threads that J.J. sets up, if if there was a plan for those plot threads, I feel like they would have stopped Ryan Johnson from doing this kind of stuff and completely undermining that stuff in this movie. That's what I mean. Like, so I, I think, don't think it was unplanned for these things to go certain ways. See, but I don't feel like I maybe I'm the opposite, and I don't think the story the story group has that set of a plan of like I don't think they know where these three mo- three movies are going. They let JJ make a movie and set up certain things. They let Ryan Johnson make a movie and interpret those however he wants and now they're going to let jj finish this how jj wants i don't i don't think it's like we know where these three movies are going and you're hitting these plot points and these story beats for us i don't know i, I mean, mean at, at least that point, if, if you the believe the way happened? ryan johnson if, if you believe ryan johnson in, in interviews he had free reign over this movie nothing that jj set up he had to complete in a certain specific way when he did this movie okay i but I, I still don't necessarily think that you know, I think Snoke, I think fans overplayed his importance from the beginning. I think people who watched the movie, everybody overplayed how important he was or wasn't. Because, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, he's the he's the leader. He looks creepy as shit. So, where who's he? Where's he from? Because they didn't get any kind of real solid information other than that he was Supreme Leader Snoke. And he told Kylo and Hux what to do. Yeah. And so people wanted more to know about him. But they didn't need to because he didn't need to serve any further purpose than he just did. Um Ray's parents and the setup there, I don't I don't necessarily think that JJ meant for her parents to be anybody specific. I, I don't think he Yeah, I mean had he's been he's He's in interviews been saying that they're nobody special, but I feel like that might have been asked after he got a treatment from Ryan Johnson, like saying this is where I want the story to go. So by that time, he knew they weren't anybody. Could be. It's it's hard to but, hard to say really, but yeah, I mean we'll never know. But just based on like the hints that they give in Force Awakens, where it's alluded to numerous times that her parents could be someone or should be someone special, 
or or known. Like, I just feel like you don't put up those plot threads if you're just going to, I don't know, unless they're really trying to subvert, subvert fan expectation and what people expect from these movies that much, that it was that in-depth of a plan to put all these seeds just to misdirect it later. could have been know. that much in-depth of a plan to make it more of a poignant sense that her parents are nobody. You know, make, make that moment where the realization that she comes from nothing more important, yeah. more significant on realizing it because if you think she comes from something something and you find out she comes from nothing that's a big moment if you think she comes from nothing and you find out she comes from nothing yeah that's true too you know so there's that end of it um i mean i guess we'll have to see what jj does with nine if he if he really had plans in place for this stuff i feel like nine is going to see a lot of retcons from episode eight to nine could be. If if JJ's like, why well, set this stuff up to go this way, and now Ryan took it this other way? Well, I don't. I don't know if I like that, so I'm going to bring it back around. Well, and but I, I also think that, like the the whole helmet smashing thing, that can come right back. You know, I mean, like it, there, there's nothing stopping him from making another helmet and wearing it again. Well, now he has no one to tell him he looks like an idiot in it. Right. He is he is his own boss now, so he can do whatever the fuck he wants to. Yeah, like he he smashes that out of anger at Snoke. I don't think that's anger at himself. You know, like but I guess we'll see where that goes. But nonetheless, I think I think it'll be fine going forward either way. Like he's yeah, I mean, at this point, like, th this movie has done enough different stuff. I'd actually like to see where they take it from here and not just see J.J. retcon a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I, I would like to see him continue the plot threads and not yeah. turn back time. Because I feel like if J.J. really wanted to set this up and then, like, see certain things happen a certain way, he should have just did eight. Mm -hmm. He should have never gave it up to somebody else. He should have stuck out this whole trilogy. So if you surrender that creative license to somebody else to do what they will then you, you get to deal with the cards that are dealt to you. I agree. This is what Ryan sets up. This is what you do. I agree. Um, so this is just sort of a question I thought of, too, after, and, you know, I just think it needs to be asked, but what relationships are you shipping after this movie? Because I've seen a lot of Kylo and Rey coming out of this. I've seen we Finn and Rey still might be a possibility. Finn and Rose is now a possibility. Or Poe and Rey. I don't think Poe and Ray. Um, God damn it! Why? I not because I don't want to see it. I don't <laughs> see it happening. Um, I think it'd be an awesome thing to have happen, but I think their paths in the next film will be so separate that you're not going to have time to build that. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah, I can see that. Um, that's the one I'm, I'm pulling for, though. Out of all these, that's the one I want: Poe and Ray. It, like I said, I think you can pull for that one all you want. I don't see it happening. I don't see them sticking together through the next movie. I, I, you know, she's going to go down a Jedi force push path, and he's going to go down a more galactic war path. They will find a way. Well, okay, Dr. Malcolm. Um, <laughs> uh, oh, you know what I forgot is Poe and Finn. That's what about, a what bromance. about their relationship? That's a bromance. That's not. That's not a. You don't know. 
I I've seen no hints that it's more than a bromance. Like it, it wouldn't bother me if they did it. It's you know it's not a homophobic thing. I just haven't seen any hints. Like when in, at the end of the Force Awakens, when they get back, Poe's more happy to see BB-8 than he is Finn. So maybe Poe and BB-8. <laughs> You've already said that BBA can do whatever it needs to do. Stick things wherever it needs to. Yep. All right. Now I I set that up, and now I apologize. <laughs> I'm gonna bring this back around. Um, as far as I, I think they're gonna play the Finn and Rose thing. Um. Yeah, Finn can finally get out of the friend zone. Yeah, they they really that was one that I felt like they abandoned without much of a reason to abandon was Finn and Ray, because they really set that up hard in the first one. You know, like, yeah. even Han telling him, like, oh, that they'll always find out, and him, like, nudging Finn in to Ray a lot. Yeah. I think they set that up a lot just to have it not pan out whatsoever in this film. Outside of a hug. <laughs> yeah, they don't, I mean, they don't see each other until the very end yeah. of the movie. So... We don't have a lot to go on. And I've seen a lot of people shipping uh, Kylo and Rey, but I think sort of like we talked about, I think they are two very separate paths now. Kylo is irredeemable. Rey is definitely sticking to the light side, so I don't see those two getting together. No, I don't see that. Not not at all. Okay. Like, all right. The brother-sister relationship thing they had going, I would have bought as a brother-sister thing had they gone that route, but a romantic thing, I don't buy at all. Yeah, I think we're crushing some dreams with that one, but that's that's what I think is going to happen. Um, all right, so I have a couple other quick questions, but I do want to get to this one thing because I feel like this might be a little bit more of a discussion. Um, <clears throat> I was talking to Mike earlier. There, there was uh, I started reading an article on Slash Film about uh, deleted scenes, and there was one deleted scene that I'm going to try to read this couple paragraphs of it. Because I think this would have actually been cool to see in the movie, and I think they cut it basically just for time a little bit. Um, oh, I think... Actually, this one came down to the Lucasfilm story group, I think, cutting it, um, which I'll, I'll touch on on this paragraph. So I'm going to try to read this as quickly as possible, and then Mike and I can talk about this for a little bit, and then we'll hit a couple other questions and try to wrap this up, because I think we've gone way too long already. Um, so this deleted scene would be like when Luke and Ray are on uh, the the planet where Luke is, I can't think of the name of it at the time. Um, Luke mentions to Ray, we're going to have three lessons. He gets through two of them and then Ray leaves. So this deleted scene would have been the last lesson that Luke Skywalker teaches the to Ray. It's Octo. That's right. I knew it was like two, two words together. That was as far as I got in my head. Um, so I'm just going to read the section of this article that came from slash film and uh, we'll, we can tr try to unpack it and talk about it afterwards. So this starts out. One of the biggest deleted scenes involves another lesson Luke Skywalker gives to Rey, taking place chronologically after they talk inside the cave where Luke mentions Darth Sidious. Rey notices boats arriving at the island, and there appears to be a big fire where they were landing. Luke tells her that it's a group of bandits who regularly come back to the island to plunder and kill the caretakers. Rey is very concerned and wants to help them out, but Luke tells her that if you try to go help them out now, the raiders will come back stronger and it will make things worse in the future. He asked Rey if she is always going to be here to protect them, saying that a true Jedi Knight would do nothing and would only act to maintain balance even when people get hurt. 
Ray is furious at his reasoning, ignites her lightsaber, and runs really fast, a forced-powered run that we uh, glimpsed in one of the featurettes about the making of the film. Which I think even might even be from the, one of the trailers, too. Because you do see a shot of, like, her running really quickly with her lightsaber somewhere in one of those trailers. Um, she runs over to rocks to shallow water, bursts to the door with her saber in the village square, ready for battle. Luke yells for her to wait, but she doesn't stop. She is surprised to learn that it's not a raiding party, but an actual party, with caretakers celebrating and swinging glow sticks. This piece of concept art from the Art of the Art of Star Wars The Last Jedi shows what the scene looks like. The caretakers all stop, look at Rey, confused. One of the caretakers motions her to her glow stick. Rey swings her lightsaber, imitating her movements and size. The caretakers resume partying. Rey spots Chewbacca sitting at the party with a bunch of porgs and R2-D2 wearing a festive necklace. Seriously, Ray says to Chewie before storming out to find Luke. Ray is mad that Luke lied to her and she confronts him. He admits that he's sorry and that he then she ran so fast that he couldn't stop her. Ray says that she thought they were in danger and tried to do something. Luke responds seriously this time that that's exactly what the resistance needs, not some old husk of a failed religion. He was again trying to teach her a lesson. Ray cries, explaining that her real friends are really dying and that the old legend of Luke Skywalker that you hate so much, I believed in it. Luke is in shock. He realizes that he pushed her too far. Ray tells him that she was wrong about believing in him and storms away. So the scene gave further motive for Ray to leave, to want to leave the island. The caretaker party joke apparently wasn't very funny, but the real reason the scene apparently didn't make the final cut, that Luke ended up coming off as an even bigger asshole even though the basic details were approved by the Lucasfilm story group, but somehow didn't feel authentic to the Jedi code. I kind of like that scene when I read it. I thought that would have been a fun little addition. Yes and no. You no. don't like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like the idea of testing her will to not help and to do what maintains the balance and keeps things you know, as they are supposed to be, but yeah, the idea of him tricking her, I'm not so fond of. Yeah, it seems like that's, I guess, why they cut it. But yeah, I think just the whole, the, the I guess the f philosophy behind, like, you know, if you, if you let this play out, it'll be fine. If you charge in and seem to protect it, then you're always going to have to protect it because they're going to come back stronger and, and better the next time. That would be an interesting moral choice, moral choice for her to do. And I like the part of like her confessing to him, like, this is why I'm here because of your legend. You, you gave me reason to be here to come see you. Yeah. That part of it sounds good. Like that, the end discussion of it where she breaks down that, that, sounds like something I would have wanted to see. Yeah. Because that, like, that whole conversation about, like, the legend of Luke Skywalker, that's what he doesn't want to live up to. But by the end of it, he comes around to that. So I think her having that conversation with him is a little bit more of a catalyst for him to have a change of heart mm -hmm. later. Because the legend of Luke is what seems to live on. That's the, that's the legend everybody seems to be talking about. That's, you know, f I think... I think what's going to happen is like if I'm if I'm trying to predict into into 9 now uh they the resistance sells, sends out their distress call on the planet crate 
People don't come to the rescue because they think it's a losing battle. There's no way they can help. And what's going to spread from this battle is the legend of Luke Skywalker standing up against Kylo Ren and facing off against all these walkers and how the resistance builds from that. That's the story that's going to get out to the galaxy. That's going to rally more people to their cause. Resistance is suddenly going to be able to have allies now because of the legend of Luke Skywalker. I could see that. That's to me like sort of with the kids telling that story. I think that's that's my hint that everything, you know, that's the story that's going to get around to everybody. So even though Luke might not be part of the resistance anymore because he has passed away, his legend will still be able to rally people and bring them to the resistance and, and help out the rebellion and all that good stuff. And I think having, again, having that, that another stepping stone to that reveal and the way that ends with this deleted scene, I think would have played better. I don't know if it's something, well, I guess we'll have to see if it's on the, like the, the home video release whenever it comes out, if they actually shot this and included it as far as like, you know, uh, effects and whatever else they had to do with it. Cause it seems like, like I said, at least part of that scene seems like it could be in the trailers of Ray running with her lightsaber. So some of it could have been shot, whether or not they shot all of it or if it was all just design and concept art. Yeah. That, that, that also could have been something where JJ didn't want to do the legend of Luke Skywalker story. And so it was a editing choice because of that. Who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how far along the process it finally got before it was cut. Right. I think that's still a little bit unclear. Um, and if you check Slash Film, they do have other deleted scenes descriptions that they they talked about. That was the one that seemed the most interesting to me, so I just wanted to bring it up and sort of get at your thoughts. Um, trying to wind this down and wrap this up a little bit. Uh. Any cameos that you caught in the movie? Because there was one that was very obvious to me on the first viewing, and somehow I've read a, a, f- a couple cameo articles, and this one has yet to be mentioned. Um, I wasn't really looking for them, so... No, not really. I, I didn't really catch any, but... Uh, the one to me that was very obvious, uh, when they're on crate, and they're in the trenches, getting ready to withstand the first order assault um somebody steps out into the it makes the footprints in the sand the one guy in the trench starts licking the sand or the salt to figure out what it is the guy next to him that looks at him like why the fuck are you eating salt off the ground is gareth edwards oh shit (laughs) i didn't i like it was one of those things where i was paying no attention towards a cameo at that point (laughs) like it didn't even I don't even yeah. think I looked. Like, he is fully in that shot. It's just the two of them. And it dwells on that shot for that long that I, I caught him after the first viewing and, and literally pointed in the theater like, oh, look who it is. <laughs> and I don't think anybody knew what the fuck I was pointing at. But um, And then the other one I read in something that uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is the uh, asshole in Canto Bite that talks about the illegal parking job of the escape pod from... I thought I recognized the voice. <laughs> I couldn't play, like, I recognized that voice, and I just could not place it, because they kind of, you know, messed with it a little bit and made it sound like that, yeah. but I still recognize, like, the voice and tone of it. So I don't know if he did motion capture for that, because that's a CG yeah. character, or if they just used him, uh, used his voice for that character, but that's apparently what he is credited awesome. with. Awesome. 
And I'm sure there will be more. I, I didn't actually tr- go out and seek a lot of the, the cameo articles to see where other people are hidden. Um, I feel like, and this is just me possibly reaching, I, I probably have to see it again because it, it happened so quickly. In the opening battle, there is an X-Wing pilot that's a bigger guy that immediately when you see him, he blows up. Upon the third viewing, I I tried to get a glimpse of him, and I feel like it might be James Corden. Oh. But I don't know for sure. I, I'd have to look again, because I, I know what the, exactly what you're talking about, but I never got a good enough look. I felt the same way. Like, that could be somebody. Because but... it's so quick. Like, you don't even get a shot of his face before yeah. he blows up. So that's that's another freeze frame moment when when it finally comes on video. But that's that's my gut reaction is that's who I feel like I saw, but I, I can't confirm that for anybody. So if again, if anybody else has seen that scene and you you agree or disagree, uh, let us know and we'll we'll try to hash it out. Um, rounding it out, favorite moment or moments? What do you got? Easily for me is Luke owning Kylo and not being there. Like when they pan to Luke meditating above the rock that was just incredible just you know that whole yeah. sequence and then him meditating above the rock just there and the way that the music plays everything goes there that was easily my favorite moment okay uh yeah i think it's it's the middle section for me the 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 killing of snoke was such a surprise and the lightsaber battle that follows was fucking fantastic so that whole, even the end, of, like the end of that sequence where they're fighting over the oh, lightsaber, yeah. and them force pulling it, each, and then it, like you see the like the the force waves like sort of come down in the middle and push them both backwards, and you see like all the wind that's happening there, like that effect I thought was really fucking cool. I I really like that. Mm-hmm. And you can see the kyber crystal in the middle when it breaks. Yeah, yeah. I like that it breaks right at the point, so you can see the crystal in it. That was kind of cool. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think those two scenes are pretty much going to be the favorite scenes for people. Yeah. Um, Because. Yeah, go ahead, because I'm I'm thinking of something slightly different. Well, I was just going to say that, like, those two scenes, like the whole sequence at the end, Luke telling him, like, see you around, kid. Yeah. It's like, gotcha, bitch. You know, like, (laughs) and to me, that's a great moment in that sense, and the whole thing of killing Snoke, it it was unexpected coming into the film, and at that moment, when you first see it, I mean, I don't know about you, I'm assuming it was the same for you, but when that happened, the crowd erupted in the theater. Yeah. And it was because people were thinking, holy shit, Kylo's gonna turn to the light side. And then, bam, end of the scene, they flip it right back on them. That was masterfully done. Yeah. That was just playing the audience so well for a first viewing that it worked like there's nobody that didn't work on the first time they saw it going in blind so yeah kind of hard to have anything against either of those scenes um sidebar because i for whatever reason just realized we haven't really talked about this but and i'm sure you caught it but ray has the books now that were in the tree yes Yes, they are on the Falcon. So I don't know how the hell that happened, but they are on the Falcon. There is a, a real quick shot before Ray gets into the escape pod in the Falcon and gets dropped off at Kylo. You see her shut a drawer. Oh, okay. So, so 
So she snuck them out on her presumably way Presumably the same drawer that, that you know, Poe or Finn opens later to get the blanket out where you see the spines of the books there. Yeah. So I do think it's it's great that Yoda is still fucking with Luke, that Luke fully believes those books are still in there and refuses to torch the tree, and Yoda knows they're gone, so he torches the tree. Yeah. And I also love the fact that I've seen numerous people complain when Yoda says, oh, that knowledge is with Rey now. And Yoda he, says I that. Think, I think he specifically people... says, like, she has everything she needs. Yeah, she has everything that, or whatever he says, there was people complaining, like, she has no training. What do we, how could she have all that stuff and have no need of that? And it's like, did you not notice that she has the books? Yeah. <laughs> and that's what Yoda was saying to you. And it was just a tree, Luke, so I'm going to burn it. And yeah, I, I think that, I think that's a very clear indication that there's going to be several years of time gap in between Last Jedi and whatever the episode nine is called. Yeah, have her um, come back as a fully, not trained, but knowledgeable Jedi. Yeah, she, she's going to read the books and she's going to learn from them and she's going to be much more powerful and refined and i definitely i definitely think feel like that hints at not just her own training but i feel like she if luke is not going to restart and train other jedi she is going to take it upon herself to do that well nothing says that luke isn't going to train her as a force ghost well that's true too yeah um the, the other thing i want i want to note about her is that she has to make her own lightsaber now yeah and are we going to see her with the first jedi yellow saber in a movie Oh, uh, yeah. We'll see if they stick to George Lucas's rules of green and blue. Yeah. Well, I mean, green, blue, purple. Purple was Sam Jackson. That wasn't that wasn't George Lucas. It, it was, but it still found its place, you know. Literally, like, ways. you can watch the behind-the-scenes of, of Attack of the Clones, and Sam Jackson is asking George Lucas about lightsaber colors, and he tells him, well, good guys are blue and green. Sam Jackson says, what about purple? He goes, uh, we'll, we'll see. He gets purple. So okay. Sam Jackson gets what he fucking wants. Uh, well, they, I, I just think, I mean, yellow would be an awesome choice. Because it would be, one, it would be a surprise choice. You know what I mean? Like, that would be, like, a something other fans wouldn't be expecting. See, I'd love to see, like, Ahsoka's silver one or something on screen. Some sort of a silver color, I think, would be really cool. And do we see the first light side double saber, given that she carries a staff? Yeah, that could be too. Yeah, that'd be pretty sweet. Because like before, we have not seen a light side character wield a double saber in the films. But yeah. it does exist in old canon. You know, the old Republic, you, there was definitely that going on, and that would be awesome. I think Bastila yeah. was a double saber. Well, yeah, you're thinking, I'm thinking yellow and double saber, that would be Bastila. Yeah. So, I think I think either one would be awesome to see happen. And I think the double-bladed is less likely for her character. Just because, like, even though she carries the staff, I feel like, I don't know. It is kind of sad, though. As soon as she picks up that lightsaber to train with it, she puts that staff away and you never see it again. Yeah. Uh, that's not true. She smacks Luke in the back with it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, she does. So, I mean, I guess... It would be a, a cool choice, given that she already had a staff to give her a double saber. Yeah. Short-bladed double saber. Not a Darth Maul long-bladed double saber, because I feel like she's too short to have that. 
<laughs> like, I feel like that lightsaber that Darth Maul had was taller than her, and I don't think that would be yeah. safe or wise. Um, <laughs> but either way, I think it. I think there's fun in speculating what her lightsaber will be like. Um, I do want to get about get around to uh, just some theorize, theorizing and maybe throwing out some ideas for episode nine. Before we do that, real quick, since we were just talk, talking about the books, how did you feel about Puppet Yoda? I had no problem with it. It looked a little bit off, but... I think more just because I'm so used to CGI Yoda now from the prequels that seeing them go back to the puppet, I was like, well, okay, it's a little bit jarring, but I, I dig it. Because I think more because, like, puppet Yoda is what Luke is familiar with. So if Luke is seeing Yoda, <laughs> it makes sense that it's puppet form. Do you know what I mean? I feel like it would feel more off if Luke is seeing CGI Yoda. I think for the viewer, it feels fine, because we've only ever seen Luke with Puppet Yoda. Yeah, yeah. So, like, seeing him with the CGI Yoda may have been, may have looked cleaner on screen, but it may have been a little bit more unrecognizable for people to relate with Luke. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, I'm always ecstatic to hear Frank Oz back as Yoda. Oh, yeah, no. Of course. Uh, all right. Uh, two more questions. One, we'll theorize and throw throw out any ideas you have for episode nine. Oh, you want me to do that now? Okay. Um, yeah. Episode nine. I think Kylo takes an apprentice, either that or apprentices in the Knights of Ren. Um, I wanted to bring that up too because they they make mention of Knights of Ren, and we sort of see them in Force Awakens. Luke specifically mentions in this one that when. Ben fucked up the the temple. He took a handful of students with him, which are never seen or heard from again. So where are these other people that Ben sort of maybe recruited with him? Right. Which I'm assuming are the Knights of Ren, right? Is that a logical? Yeah, I say that's a very normal logical okay. path to take. Um, I, we I, we may see one of the Knights of Ren that triumphed over the others become his apprentice we may see a brand new apprentice and the knights are not i actually kind of want to just sort of spinning off from that i think if they're like actually like burning the old ways down and, and trying something new that ben tries to teach more than one pupil i think i think it would be cool if he actually has a few apprentices not just one but i th i'm seeing to the idea that he also became a sith without realizing it Right, and I I still think, I don't know, I just because you're Sith, I don't feel like you have to abide by the rule of two, especially if he thinks he can do it better and doesn't need those past teachings. And, and Right, but I see the others, like, that's why I say, like, I see one of them besting the others and perhaps killing them to become his sole apprentice. Okay, okay. Because the rule of two, whether we have, you know, the old Darth Bane books as canon or not, is canon because of the original and prequels. Like, the original trilogy and prequels still kind of hold up that rule of two. Yeah. You know, yes, we see Palpatine. He has only Maul. Maul dies. Then he has only Dooku. Dooku dies. Then he has only Anakin. It, it holds true in these two films where you have Snoke and Kylo in both films. So it they've held that up the whole way through. Yeah, but to the point, I so, do think like Snoke was still holding on to past ideas and old ideas and stuff like that. Kylo doesn't strike me as the person that needs to abide by 
old rules. No, I don't think he does. It, 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 we'll see what happens. He, like because uh, even Vader had the Inquisitors, right? So perhaps they don't become his apprentice, but the knights become Inquisitor type characters who okay. are yeah, dark yeah. side sensitive. You know all that, but he has a separate solo apprentice. That it, you know, okay. one is an apprentice, the others are minion apprentices. We'll see. Um, that that that's one theory. We're going to see him with underlings, though, of some sort. Yeah, he's yeah. going to have some other badass underling of some sort. Um, I see. I still think it opens with a funeral for Leia. Um. It's some sort of send-off for Carrie Fisher, since they couldn't really give a proper send-off in this film. Yeah. Um, obviously, Luke is a Force ghost doing something. Because You think he'll be back to help Rey or to troll Kylo? Both, maybe. I, I really see. hope it's both. I, really, I, think, I think with his last line, just see you around, kid, I feel like he has to troll Kylo. Oh, and, and Kylo doesn't even know that he's dead. Presumably, like, Rey and Leia both sense his death. Because you see their reaction right at that yeah. same time, where they both kind of feel something. So, presumably they both know. Um, I don't know. I think there's a lot of things I think would be really cool to have happen. God knows if they'll actually go that route. I think it would be awesome if one of the you know um, planets or systems whatever you want to call it that joins the resistance is Mandalore. Give us Mandalorian warriors joining uh, the resistance. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, that would be yeah. awesome. But I, who knows if we'll see it or not. Um, I doubt it. We have no reason to believe we'd see it. So... I, th I just think it'd be an awesome thing that yeah. they're sending this out, that they need help in the Resistance. Mandalore joins and turns the tide of the war. Old old Sabine comes back. Old Sabine, that would be cool as shit. Didn't even think of that. She's young enough. That could work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she'd be... Hell, she'd be younger than Luke. Yeah. So. Assuming she survives Rebels, we don't know what kind of casualties we're going to be at the end of that series. Yeah, we're we're still waiting on that. Um, as far as plot goes, man, I don't even know at this point. It, it, like, yeah, this is like if I didn't think like uh, you know if I thought I could predict eight and it was this wrong, there I there's no way in hell I can predict predict where the story of nine goes. Yeah, I I can try to give you a sort of what I would like to see. Like you were mentioned, I think seeing the Knights of Ren finally do something would be great because that's been set up for a while and mentioned. Um. I agree that Luke's Force Ghost needs to do something, especially if we're not going to have Carrie Fisher in 9. Because you could tell they were, like, 7 is Han's movie, 8 is Luke's movie, 9 would have been Leia's movie. Yeah. So if we're not going to get Leia, I think Luke needs to come back and just, just hang around for one more movie. Um, I, I definitely think we're going to finally see a very big confrontation between Kylo and Rey. Right? Like, Rey, at this point, has to know she can't save Kylo. She has to stop Kylo, which means take him out. Which means That's what epic, I epic, yeah, crazy ass long lightsaber battle, a la yes. Revenge of the Sith. 
Yes, that's something that I really hope to see. Um, I don't, I don't know where like Finn and Poe and the rest of the Resistance are going to go. I, like I said, I sort of predict that the the Legend of Luke Skywalker rallies more people to the Resistance and Rebellion cause, and obviously that's going to lead to a fight with the First Order. But I don't know if the First Order is that big. What you have to do to stop it? If you kill Kylo, is that the end of the First Order? Or is it going to get splintered like the Empire, and then they have to worry about snuffing out all these little pockets of, of, of First Order uh, people? Um, I, I kind of want to see... In, it, we got a quick glimpse of it in, in this movie, and I, I kind of wish it played out a little bit longer, but uh, when Hux goes to see Snoke and finds the dead body and Kylo's knocked out on the floor, you see Hux slowly reach for a blaster like he's going to take Kylo out, and then yeah. Kylo wakes up. I I really love their dynamic and I want to see more of that. Yes. In the next one. Although I don't think we're going to see as much of that kind of dynamic at this point where the rivalry as much as Hux bowing before him because he's, you know, the force wielder that can destroy him at will. And that was another turn for me that I really loved is when Hux tries to stand up against Kylo and Kylo just turns around and starts force choking him. Yeah. To me that was like, "Yes, you have your Vader moment." Yeah. Exactly, like, the Supreme Leader is dead, and he's just, hmm, really? <laughs> yeah. Who's your Supreme Leader now, bitch? Yeah. So, yeah, plot point-wise, I can't I can't predict anything. I'm sure it'll be wrong, and I'm sure after we see a trailer, we'll try predicting again, and we'll still be wrong. So, yeah, there will be lots more episodes dedicated to this stuff. We'll see where we go. But yeah. as of right now, I, I got nothing. Yeah, like, I'm pretty sure post-trailer, all I got right was Luke being like Yoda, and not wanting to train her at first, you know, pulling the Yoda, I will not train you, I will not train you, no, no, yeah. and then finally agreeing to give lessons, and Luke taking the Ben's way out kind of thing, so... Yeah, I really think the only thing I got right was that I called uh, that Kylo and Rey are not speaking to each other at the end of the that trailer, that Rey was talking to Luke, which is yeah. how that panned out, so I can I can hold my head high that I got one thing right. I, I was right that he was putting his hand out to her, though. Yeah, I think I I can't remember where I mentioned it. It might have been in the the car conversation, but uh, I think I, I mentioned that like the intention is there in the trailer. That what they're intending and in setting up in the trailer is the same intention in the movie. It's just that those scenes back to back were not correct. Yeah, the dialogue from one was transposed onto him putting his hand out. Right. Yeah. When she. Hey, what does she say exactly? Like something like, like the line is, "I need somebody to show me my place in this." Is what right. she's saying to Luke, not yeah. to Kylo. Right. Um. All right. Last question: Where do you rank the Last Jedi among the other Star Wars movies, or is it still too early for you to rank it? I actually put together a fresh ranking ahead of time because I knew that question would come, just like <laughs> it did with Rogue One and with Force Awakens and all that. I knew that question would happen. I'll open it up here, and I will read off the complete list, which has changed recently based on my own personal opinions. I don't know. I feel like recently inside me, Jedi has overtaken Empire. Oh, okay. Um, so Jedi still tops my list. Return of the Jedi, Empire Strikes Back, Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rogue One, A New Hope, Revenge of the Sith, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones. So okay. it ranks fourth on my list. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't do the full list. Like, like I, 
just wanted to figure out sort of where this falls for me, and it's definitely top three. I think Empire, Force Awakens, and Last Jedi are my top three. Okay. I was debating whether or not Last Jedi would overtake Force Awakens, but I think Force Awakens is just more fun of a movie. It's still one of the ones where it's like, if I just want to watch a Star Wars movie, that's the one I gravitate towards to watch. Um, Last Jedi has a lot of surprises and it's deep in a lot to unpack and i i just don't know if i ever feel like like it's it's i just feel like it's a heavy movie where it's like where do i just want to have a fun star wars movie i don't know if this is the one i reach for but being a good fucking star wars movie it definitely is yes i i agree obviously like your top three are in my top four it's just my top one is different um for me i just think as far as like the ranking goes, with with Force Awakens being better, I agree the same thing. Um, and also we have Han Solo, you know, like it, yeah, the, the Force Awakens has Han Solo. That that that's gonna help. Uh, you know, you get more Chewie, more Han. You get it's an origin story at the same time too. You get the, yeah, yeah, all of that. You get the big giant explosion at the end. This, uh, I feel like, in truth, this is a better movie. Just like I feel like Empire is a better movie than Jedi, but I, if I, if it comes right down to it, I would rather watch Jedi than Empire. Right. If it comes right down to it, I would rather watch Force Awakens than The Last Jedi. Yeah. But I'd like, you know, like, those top four, even top five with Rogue One, I can watch it any time. Yeah. I feel like A New Hope in the prequels... Is more of a stretch for me to get me to watch at any given time. Like the prequels, if I'm in the mood for just some Star Wars stuff, and I've watched a lot of the others recently, that's when those go in. When I'm burnt out on watching the other ones, I can throw those on. And when right. I feel like watching the battle at the end of Revenge of the Sith or the battle at the end of Phantom Menace, I'll throw those on. Gotcha. You know, but yeah, all, yeah, all we around, might always. I'm sure this is one of those lists for, for me, and maybe probably even for you, too, that, that changes on day of the week and mood, depending on wh- where you're at. Yeah, that's what I said. Like, normally Empire tops my list, but for whatever reason, when I went to make this list, I said, you know what? I think Jedi's on the top of the list right now. Yeah, so I'm, this is something we could revisit over and over again and still have a different list. Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty sure when you asked me at the end, after Rogue One, I'm pretty sure Empire was on top, and I think Jedi was second. Or for it might have been Force Awakens. I can't remember. So it doesn't fluctuate too much, but they're 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 all bar ballparking around the no, same same area. Th- those first five films, like the top five that I have there, even six or five, yeah, the top five <laughs> are not going to top six are not going to change. Those like the prequels are always going to be outside that other group, right? So I'm hoping Solo can find a spot really high up in there, but. You know, like that—that's my hope—is that it yeah. gets to that. Still waiting for that trailer. Top end slot, but we'll see. I don't know why I'm thinking about this now, but uh, you were mentioning about Force Awakens and seeing more che- Chewy. I think stuck with me for a second. Um, I'd seen something on Twitter where somebody uh, posted that, like, they the first thought after walking out of Last Jedi was Chewy may be a better pilot than Han Solo. He flies the Falcon by himself through all that shit through crate, like. That's all Chewie. I was always under the impression that Chewie was the pilot of the Millennium Falcon when they were in fights, and that Han was kind of the captain, you know, because 
if you look, Chewie's in the same seat he's always in. Yeah. So I don't know. I was I always thought Han was flying it the whole time. So seeing Chewie get get away with a lot of cool fucking flying in this movie. Not to mention he comes himself. in in the same kind of moment in this that Han comes in in A New Hope. They, yeah, they come in like you know, like he just comes right in, bam, 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 saves the day. Oh, and did you catch? Did you catch the music they start playing too at that point? If that isn't it, the Tie Fighter battle music from A New Hope. The yeah, it's the I loved that callback. I thought that fits so perfectly. Yeah, that was fantastic. Uh, all right, see, we're still finding shit to talk about. It's, we're fucking like three-hour <laughs> podcast, and it's fucking 11.30 at night. I should go to bed. <laughs> um, Normally, we end movie reviews with a rating. Do we want to give this one a rating, too? Or just fitting in in the Star Wars movie list is good enough? Because I, I feel like a, the rating, I guess, is another thing that could change day of the weekend, depending on what we do here. No, I think ratings I stay solid on. Because, like I said, I still feel like Empire's a better movie than Jedi. Like, I would still give Empire a higher rating, but right now on my Star Wars list, Jedi's higher. All right, so let's go ratings. Out of, out of 10, what do you give Last Jedi? 9.5. 9.5, 9. 9.75. Yeah, I'm I'm leaning 9, 9.5, somewhere up there. And this is, again, just after seeing it a couple times, because the first time did not sit well with me, but appreciating, appreciating what they did and all the arcs that they wrap up, complaints aside over the few things that we sort of talked about earlier, uh, I I think it's beautifully directed. the The music is always fantastic. All all the stuff, again the 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 story arcs and and uh, character beats and stuff. Yeah, like good lord. Just even that salt planet, all the thematic, like how this the the salt changes from like blood soaked red on the ground for all the crap that's been going on. Like all that stuff is awesome. Mm-hmm. So it's it's. Some unique things that I haven't seen in a Star Wars movie before. The, the so. wide-angle shots when they're flying the speeders with skis across, making the patterns all over the place. Yeah. Uh, and even even just the lightsaber fight with Kylo and Rey. Like, it's a wide shot most of that time, and you're really able to see what the hell they're doing. Those are the way fight sequences should be should be shot. That's what I want to see from hand-to-hand combat fight sequences in action movies, and everyone loves their shaky cam bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, they did a much better job of that here. And that room... Like Snoke's throne room, yes. Like the ambiance that creates around him, in it, it's just crazy. Like you're looking. And at I that love thing, that. Like, like is that a wall behind it? What the fuck is that behind him to create that? And yeah, it's like some sort of curtain because she, she, Ray gets caught up in that like whip thing, flings it at the curtain, which then catches on fire. The fire grows and encompasses the whole thing, and that's where all the burning ash comes from. Yep. So they're literally burning down Snoke's, like, you know, what Snoke left there in his reign during that fight sequence. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's it's very high-ranking, I think, for both of us. I, we'll have to ping Andy later or, or make him comment on the Facebook page where what rating he gives this. We'll see if we can track him down for that since he had to leave early and we didn't get to ask him. Uh, all right. Uh this has to be where we where we close this down because this has gone way too long, which should have been expected for a Star Wars review. It's kind of what what we do. Um, so yeah, if you've enjoyed the show, please stop by iTunes, leave us a five star rating and review. Be sure to share, subscribe, favorite the show wherever you like to listen to us at. Uh, find us on Facebook at facebook.com dot com slash bright guy super friends, where you can search bright guy super friends there and find us. 
you can send us questions, comments, topics, suggestions, any of that stuff there. Or you can email us, bryguysuperfriends at gmail.com. Or tweet us at BGSuperFriends on Twitter. All of that will work. Um, we're going to take probably next week off, I think. We'll probably be back after the new year and uh, see what we have. We probably should just talk about the Fox-Marvel deal when we come back. Because we've hinted at that and started talking about that and never really finished talking about that. All off air. So now we have to do it on the podcast because that would be the way to go. <laughs> so that's it for now. On behalf of Andy, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. And have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. See you later. <laughs>